Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. DC TV Podcast. There's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. <laughs> So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom, because really? she looks like a boss in this coat. Is Nasty Luther like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Ooh. Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Maureen Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired with the Marathon Fundraiser for Rain, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, which is the largest anti-sexual violence organization in the United States. Uh, we're doing this uh, sort of listener takeover, if you will, of Supergirl Radio in honor of Melissa Benoist. Uh, for sharing her story of, of being a survivor of uh, domestic violence. So we're going to be um, fundraising for rain tonight. Uh, we're, our goal was $300, <laughs> uh, but we have, with the generosity of our listeners, have overpassed it. So uh, we are going to continue to raise money and see how much we can get. So uh, we'll be throwing that link in the chat and go ahead and spread that around uh, to everybody you know, because any little bit helps. And the, right. the link is what is it? Fundraise.rain.org slash Supergirl Radio. You thought I wasn't going to have a lower third? Of course. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I doubt it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I doubt it. You, Rebecca. <laughs> so that is the uh, website. You can go and uh, donate if you'd like to contribute. All right. So how this is going to work, we're going to be live from 8 p.m. Eastern to 10.30 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to be having some listener-led segments uh, for 30 minutes each, and everybody's going to be talking about something different. So today, uh, we have Lynn and Nikki Workman with us, and they are going to talk about some of our favorite characters in the DC Universe, the Super Pets. Pets. So uh, so, so Lynn <laughs> and Nikki, um, Morgan and I are going to get out of here, and y'all can just uh, talk about what you want to talk about. All right. Thanks, guys. Good evening, Metropolis. All right, we're going to start off with uh, with Crypto the Superdog, who was the first super pet. Crypto's first appearance was in Superboy uh, Adventure Comics uh, 210 back in March of 1955. Uh, he was created by writer Otto, I'm going to say Bender, it could be Binder. I don't know, one of these days I'm actually going to do like a creator pronunciation key for everybody, because I don't know. But uh, it was... Uh, Otto, and, uh, who was the co-creator of Kara Zor-El, uh, Supergirl, and artist Kurt Swan, who was the comic co-creator. Uh, originally intended as a one-off character, the dog attracted positive attention from the readers. The Superpooch returned four issues later and became a regular member of Superboy's cast. He's usually depicted as a generic white dog and usually not a specific breed or any size. Uh, Crypto's early appearances usually featured exact, exaggerated anthropomorphic facial expressions, which were later replaced by more of a generic dog face. When fighting crime, Crypto usually wore a gold collar, a miniature S-shield dog tag, and a dog-sized version of Superman's cape. 
whenever he wanted to be an ordinary dog, Crypto would just pull on his collar and uh, deattach the cape, uh, then putting it back on whenever needed. Uh, in one story, he was given a collar with a retractable cape uh, within the collar that could be unfurled uh, by a hidden uh, stud on the collar. Kind of like, like the flash, flash ring? Yeah, exactly like the flash ring. Yep. Uh, when not accompanying uh, Superboy or Superman, uh, he was just, you know, romping through space. And uh, he also stayed with the Kent family, posing as their dog, Skip. Yes, he had a secret identity. Well, and he the, wouldn't be a super otherwise. You got to. Uh, the, uh, the Kents applied a brown dye patch on his back for a disguise, which he could burn off with his heat vision, which I'm sure smelled lovely around the Kent house. Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Later, there are other mef- methods for uh, crypto to, for Skip to switch back and forth without uh, assistance. In Superboy 126 in January of uh, 1966, Crypto's family tree uh, was uh, given out. Uh, Crypto's father's name was given as Zipto, his grandfather as Nipto, and his great-grandfather as Vipto. So Easy you got for you that. to say. Yeah, well. This is why I made you read this section. <laughs> I really should have used a bigger font, too. <laughs> but uh, Crypto belonged to two organizations of super animals, the 30th Century Legion of Super Pets and the Space Canine Patrol Agents, the SCPA. Uh, we'll cover them towards the end of this uh, presentation. After the uh, 71 uh, revamp of Superman by editor uh, Julia Swartz, uh, Crypto made no appearances for a few years, uh, although he did return uh, in 74 in a two-part uh, Green Arrow backup story in Action Comics 440 and 441. Uh, he was suffering from amnesia, uh, his memory was restored in 75 in Superman 287. Uh, when asked in 2006 why he liberated crypto from the limbo kennel, uh, writer Elias S. Magan said, a man needs a dog, a Superman needs a super dog. So there you go. Uh, crypto had his own feature in the Superman family, 182 in 1977. And uh, in Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, Crypto sacrificed his life to save Superman by biting the throat out of the kryptonite man. Uh, the villain died, but Crypto was irradiated by him and died as well. So the we have a listener question before oh, you yeah, get sure. too far. Mm-hmm. So Rachel's asking, what real life dog breed do you see Crypto as or do you think he should or could be? I know he's always depicted mm-hmm. as, as a white dog, mm-hmm. but I always build wise see him as like, a golden retriever. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I've always thought too. Um, and again, it depends on how how big you're actually drawing him. Because I mean, he could be more like a like one of the, what is it like a Jack Russell Terrier kind of thing? What was the the one on uh, Frasier? You know, oh, the little uh, yap dog. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah, they draw him small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super dog's gonna be bigger than bigger. a. Uh, then I'd go with golden retriever. But I I, I don't see him like great. Dane, massive. You know. No, I would see. So, uh, I, I would actually see Ace is more that size. I see. see we'll talk about this later, probably. But yes. I see Ace as a Doberman. Well, he's been. Well, we'll get to that. So, uh, back to uh, Crypto here. Um, eventually, Crypto in several forms is reintroduced into the Superman mythos, uh, 
the first one being essentially an exact copy of the pre-crisis crypto uh, exactly existing in a pocket universe created by the time trapper. This is the same pocket. Blah, 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 blah. Easy for me to say again, the same pocket reality from which the matrix supergirl originated. We don't talk about the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. The, uh, the second modern crypto, uh, was a small white uh, pet dog res rescued and named by Bibbo. And uh, those of you who have watched the uh, the animated Superman, do you remember Bibbo is the, the big Popeye-looking uh, buddy of Superman? Um, the dog found two young children who had been trapped in a bomb shelter uh, for a month following Superman's fight with Doomsday. Uh, the children were badly malnourished and dehydrated, but it was uh, they would soon uh, survive and recover. Um, this gave Superman the idea to explain how Clark Kent's long absence was, uh, and he staged a fake rescue uh, from a similar predicament. Uh, crypto was later acquired by the modern Superboy. This version of uh, Crypto was an ordinary Earth dog with no superpowers. And uh, after uh, Superboy 69, uh, Crypto went to live at Cadmus. Uh, after an uprising uh, against the agenda, um, and battling the uh, DN alien named uh, Gene Gnome, uh, Crypto was never seen again. His last appearance was in 74, uh, number 74. And the third version of Crypto was introduced in the early 2000s and uh, his storyline returned to Krypton as a uh, dog from a false idealized Krypton that resembled the pre-crisis Krypton uh, as a trap by uh, Brainiac 13. It gets complicated. Yeah. What we about even, the supers doesn't get complicated really quickly? Well, we haven't even gotten to Comet yet. Okay. Yeah, that that's a whole different <laughs> level of... Uh, Stay tuned for crazy there. Uh, yeah. But this, uh, this crypto had all the physical abilities of his pre-crisis uh, predecessor, but with a canine intelligent instead of a near-human uh, intelligent, uh, which causes a lot... A, great deal of trouble for his new master uh, Superboy. Uh, Crypto would scratch at a door when he wanted to go out and unintentionally carve huge chunks out of the door with his super strength. and Or he would in inflict serious injuries when battling villains uh, because he just didn't realize his own strength. Uh, because of this, Crypto is locked away in the Fortress of Solitude under the care of one of Superman's robots, which is programmed to emit the scent of the dog's real master. Uh, Superman gets around to training him later, uh, uh, Superman left Crypto in Superboy's care, saying that Smallville's open spaces were a better place for the dog and that Superboy could use a friend. This was shown in uh, Teen Titans Volume 3, Number 7. Uh, relationship was shaky at first, but they would uh, develop a friendship, and Crypto willingly does anything he can to protect Connor, even biting Superboy Prime in the shoulder. Um, so I have a question. Sure. So is the robot that you know, Clark left behind at the Fortress of Solitude. Take care of Crypto. Does he the? It, does he like take Crypto for walks? Who who cleans up after Crypto? Because I imagine there's super poops. There's got to be some super walkies. Um, but I mean, you know, it, if you take your dog, you know, to the uh, you know outside the fortress, you know, do you have to clean up after it? I mean, I well, would that's think, my question. I mean, if yeah. you're in the middle of the Arctic, do you have to, you know, take your little plastic baggie with you? Well, I mean, you know, a polar bear does poo in the uh, the Arctic, so. See, these are the questions that run through my mind. Okay. And I'm the one that cleans the litter boxes. This is true. There's a reason why that's your job. Okay. 
Well, Crypto makes a brief appearance in JLA number 87. Uh, he's telepathically influenced by Furnace and uses the Atom as a chew toy. Well, it's just kind of funny. Uh, Action Comics 850 presents a uh, revision of Superman's origin and has Crypto as the uh, L family dog from the real Krypton. Um, and this issue doesn't deal with the specifics of how Crypto was sent to Earth or how he arrived, but later Jeff Johns uh, clarifies the deal, uh, the details of the new Earth origin of Crypto and that he was sent in a small prototype, prototype rocket uh, created by Jor-El. Uh, basically, he was like a cosmonaut dog for before young Clark was sent off or Cal, I should so say. So they kind of tested the rocket ship to make sure that it would work before they put the infant child in there. Right. And that's, um, and that's kind of how they explain why the rocket ships were small and why, you know, they didn't, he didn't have time to build bigger ones, you know, that would for, actually hold adults to take care of children yeah, the whole, that they were yeah. sending to a, a yeah, like, alien planet. Right. Like a, you know, space family truckster you know, go into Wally world or something, but uh, no, so it was, and this also comes into play with Beppo as well, because uh, Beppo, uh, as we'll get to, uh, was also a, uh, meant to ride in one of the spaceships, but we have any other questions? Not so far. Okay. Great. All right. Um, I'm going to kind of move on down here, but crypto is later seen as a loyal companion to Supergirl as described recently on the Supergirl radio rebirth episodes. So if you haven't listened to those lately, go back and listen to them. But after this, listen to this first. Um, in his original pre-crisis incarnation, uh, Crypto possessed the same powers and abilities as an adult Kryptonian, uh, were proportionately smaller to his size and species, uh, but it's his sensory abilities like smell and hearing were more acute uh, than those of Superman. And... Uh, in April of 2005, the Cartoon Network debuted Crypto in his own series, Crypto the Superdog, uh, with Crypto voiced by Samuel Vincent. Uh, he teams with his fellow animal, animal superheroes, Streaky the Supercat, and the Dog Star Patrol, and Ace the Bathound. Uh, this version of Crypto shares the origin of the comic book version of Crypto and was launched from uh, Krypton by Jor-El, uh, similar events, uh, and didn't arrive until after Superman was already grown. Uh, but uh, Crypto and all of his friends and enemies can talk and are understood by uh, his uh, boy caretaker, Kevin, through the use of, a, uh, use of an ear-implanted translator. Uh, Superno Superman knows felt full well about Crypto's existence, but decided that it was best that the dog stay with Kevin after realizing the uh, bond between the two. And you may start noticing that Superman kind of has um, a problem with uh, keeping things around. Um, like, he's got separation anxiety or issues, I guess. Like pets and small children that are dependent upon him on alien planets. Yeah. Like his cousin and yeah. Yeah. Pets and, and uh, super things, you know, uh, lab pets that show up. Yeah. It's a, it's a running theme and I'm, if uh, Supergirl Radio would love to do an episode on Superman's uh, separation anxiety type uh, things, and they have somebody that is, you know, is is a psychiatrist or something, I'd love to hear that episode. I want to know more about it. But the um, the show lasted uh, thirty nine episodes, had two seasons, and Paul Dini and Alan Burnett from the Batman the Animated Series and the 
the Superman series and Justice League uh, were two of the producers and story story editors. Uh, but the uh, the show had more of a Hanna-Barbera look than a uh, Bruce Timm animated uh, style. Uh, the Smallville television series featured the character in an episode titled Crypto uh, during its fourth seasons. Original. Uh, his pa- yeah. Mm-hmm. And his uh, powers developed as a product of experiments with kryptonite at uh, Luther Corp. And uh, only temporary, as is his name, Crypto. Uh, Clark suggests this because of the dog's cryptic origins, which after Lois's suggestion of Clarky, uh, Clark decides on naming the dog Shelby. I was going to name our cat Lex, either Clark or Cal, but Nikki took one le- look at him and said, he's a Lex. So, that's And I have been want. proven right every day <laughs> in the past five years. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, Crypto has also appeared in video games and the animated series uh, and features the uh, as, and features such as the new adventures of Superman, Legion of Superheroes, Batman, Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, DC Super Pets and the Justice League action and DC Superhero Girls. Uh, most recently, Crypto was in the live action series Titans and was portrayed by live action dogs Wrigley, Digby and Lacey. Um, he is uh, first depicted as a uh, captive test subject subject at the Cadmus laboratories and he's stuck in a kryptonite powered cage and is rescued by Connor. Uh, Crypto also uh, appeared in the tiny Titan series by Art and Franco. Uh, First appearance was issue 10 of uh, January, 2009 and stars in many of the uh, DC super pets books uh, by uh, art. And here's the encyclopedia here. Uh, You can see it. There it is. Yay. Um, There's, Tons of them. If you got kids and you're looking for something uh, fun and safe for them to to read about the DC uh, universe, uh, I highly recommend any of the stuff by by Art. Uh, Art Baltazar is, is fantastic, and uh, the the DC Super Pets Cyclopedia boasts over 200 pets uh, of DC heroes and villains. Oh yeah, pets, as Art would say. So. Yeah, I did not realize the Flash had a turtle. Yeah, <laughs> and Lex Luthor uh, has a iguana named Ignatius. So that's very Lex sounding, Ignatius. Very much so. Yeah. So that's that's your your Lex trivia for the day. Um, Going to move on to Streaky the Super Cat. Uh, if we have no other questions about uh, about crypto, uh, Streaky the Super Cat was the pet of Supergirl in her identity as Linda Lee. Streaky first appeared in Action Comics 261 in 1960 and was created by Otto uh, Bender Binder and Jim Mooney. Uh, I've also seen Jerry Siegel cr- uh, created as co-creator, but mostly it's been Otto and Jim. Uh, Supergirl was experimenting on a piece of green kryptonite in an attempt to find a way to neutralize its deadly effects. When her experiment failed, she tossed the X kryptonite out the window uh, her experiment failed, but Streaky came across the ex-kryptonite and was exposed to its radi- radiation and given superpowers, which included flight, super strength, supervision, super speed, heat vision, and a, a human level or better intelligence. Streaky made sporadic appearances in comic stories throughout the 1960s and became a, a member of the Legion of Super Pets. Uh, Streaky's last pre-crisis event uh, appearance was in Adventure Comics 394 in 1970, when all of Earth's kryptonite was transformed into iron, 
and uh, Superman 233. Uh, Streaky's ex-Kryptonite power source was eliminated as well, ending his super career and returning him to the life of a normal domestic cat. So um, various cats uh, inspired by and sometimes named Streaky have made appearances in the uh, post-crisis DC universe, uh, but no so f- none so far that I find had uh, superpowers. Um, and uh, Peter David's Supergirl uh, Volume 4 series, a uh, particular cat named Streaky, identical to the pre-crisis version, jumps from a tree as it's trying to fly um, before it's saved by Supergirl and returned to its owner. Uh, Supergirl says that the town of Leesburg is not ready for a flying kitten. Uh, that cat appeared in issues 25 and uh, 42, and at the... Uh, 2007 New York Comic Con, when asked if Streaky would be returning, writer Paul Dini said that the cat's out of the bag. So in uh, Supergirl number 10, volume 5, and 2006, it's revealed that Kara has a female pet cat. Uh, Up until this time, Streaky has pretty much been a male cat, uh, but now uh, it's a female cat. Like they do. Uh, In issue 14, uh, it's revealed that the cat's name is Streaky because she doesn't get the concept of a litter box. Ew. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it also reminded me a little bit of Lena. So, well, there's that too. And mm-hmm. we need to clarify that we're not talking about Lena on the TV show. We're talking about our mm-hmm. our youngest beyond mm-hmm. critter, Lena. She's cute, but she doesn't have uh, a lot of uh, litter box um... etiquette. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, in Streaky's uh, first appearance post uh, New Fifty Two in DC Rebirth uh, was in Sun, uh, Super Sun's Annual Number One. This version have has traits of the pre and post Crisis versions. Uh, Streaky is a female, but has the powers of the original. Um, Streaky has a thirtieth century descendant named Wizzy. Which, if you've uh, seen some of Rebecca's uh, Supergirl radio posts lately, you probably saw a, a picture of, of Wizzy. Um, Wizzy first appeared in Action Comics 287 back in 1962 and was created by Jerry Siegel and Jim Mooney. Uh, a lookalike for Streaky, Wizzy is an orange cat with a white lightning bolt markings on either side of his body. Uh, Supergirl first encounters Wizzy, who wears a red cape like his ancestor, and when she answers a, a summons, from the uh, Legion of Super Pets in the 30th century. Uh, Supergirl is addressed telepathically by a flying cat she assumes is her pet, Streaky. She notices the W insignia on the cat's cape instead of an S, and an engraving on the cat's uh, uh, collar says, uh, Wizzy, descendant of famed Supercat Streaky. So, Nikki didn't know about Wizzy, and I didn't until... No, uh, I did not know about Wizzy. I knew about Stinky. Yes, and we have Stinky up next. Power Girl's cat Stinky, a.k.a. Stink Bomb, made his uh, first appearance in Justice League America, Volume 1, Number 37, back in 1990. Uh, The kitty uh, is missing a right eye, but appeared later in JSA Classified with two eyes and different fur coloring. And it's his technically his first appearance was, I think, two glowing eyes in a garbage can. So he goes from one eye to two eyes. Um, Streaky, uh, but Streaky has appeared in various other uh, stories and uh, the Batman DC animated universe 
and uh, this, the uh, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Brave and the Bold, DC Pets, and a lot of the same ones that um, that uh, Crypto has been in. But the, they have actually brought Streaky into Supergirl as far as the CW Supergirl. We did get a, a live-action Streaky. Yes, uh, that is that is next. Um, after Because after the... Um, I'm going to back up just a little bit. In the uh, Cartoon Network's uh, animated series, Crypto the Superdog, uh, Streaky is Crypto's next-door neighbor and goes into a lab where he crashes into a duplicator laser. So this laser shoots Crypto and bounces off of him onto Streaky, giving the cat similar powers to Crypto. So, uh, so he also, uh, unfortunately, shares his vulnerability to uh, green and red Kryptonite, but to the CW. Streaky appeared in the CW's live-action series Supergirl as a solid black cat and possessed uh, no superpowers. Kara describes Streaky as a stray cat she found not long after uh, arriving on Earth. She fed him every night and learned to be gentle with him as she learned to control her Kryptonian strength. Kara felt like an alien on Earth until Streaky helped her feel like a human. This was one of my all-time favorite Supergirl moments. And Nikki, what did you say that they uh, they said about getting a black cat to play Streaky? Well, black cats traditionally have issues getting adopted because of all the superstitions over the years that have surrounded black cats and being unlucky. So they mm. are actually the least adopted in shelters. So mm. they were hoping that showing a black cat in the CW Supergirl show would help destigmatize. The, the black kitties and help get them adopted a little bit quicker than some of their uh, other mm -hmm. colored uh, fur brethren. Right. Okay. Um, the uh, Supergirl Radio Season 3 did a character spotlight on Streaky the Supercat, so if you want more information, it's March 15th of 2018. Uh, next up, real quick, here is Beppo the Super Monkey, created by Otto and uh, George Papp. Uh, he first appeared in Superboy number 76 in 1959 and was one of uh, Jor-El's space flight test animals who stored away uh, the uh, the rocket uh, with Cal. Uh, he hopped out after the ship crashed and shows up years later, causes a lot of mischief, mischief, and Superboy ends up leading Beppo out into deep space and leaves him there so he can't cause any more trouble. Jorel has a habit of just putting any kind of random anything in a spaceship and shooting it to Earth. Yeah, and again, you know, Superboy or Superman are just gonna, you know, leave things. I don't, I don't understand it. But um, Beppo later returns, meets Supergirl, who introduces him to uh, Crypto and Streaky, and he ends up joining the Legion of Super Pets. Uh, Beppo possessed the same powers and abilities as a Kryptonian adult, and he's been drawn as a monkey, a chimpanzee, or a chimp with a tail. So, um, Comet the Super Horse. <laughs> Honestly, I'm really hoping that Supergirl Radio will do a special episode of Comet the Super Horse. Because you just want to see Morgan's reaction to all of the craziness in this character's history. That's what it oh, is. Oh, I do. I do. I want to I want to see Rebecca try to tell the story with a straight face and <laughs> hear all of uh, Morgan's uh, you know, exclamations to it. Um, but Comet was uh, introduced uh, to the Superboy story, Legion of Super Traders and Adventure Comics 293 back in 1962. And uh, I'm going to skip down a little bit. Uh, Comet was Supergirl's pet horse and her brief boyfriend 
while in his human form. Uh, Comet also had a brief romance with Lois Lane in her comic book. Whew. Comet he gets was, around. It, it, Comet does. Uh, he's a player. And he was originally a centaur in ancient Greece named Byron, which uh, there was a, a potion that uh, Cersei gave him to, fern, to turn fully human. Um, unable, to, There was a, a mistake and unable to reverse the spell. She gave him superpowers, including immortality. Um, as a human, he adopted the identity of Bronco Bill Starr, a rodeo trick writer who that's who Supergirl fell in love with. Uh, Comet's powers are flight, super strength, super speed, telepathy, and telescopic vision. Uh, I'm just going to point out, mm -hmm. Bronco Bill, William. Yeah, it's, ooh, ooh, William is Comet. I'm telling you. It's true. Okay. It's right there. There you go. There's proof. There's, it's right here in black and white. Right there. Um, come, again, is. uh, uh, Comet is unaffected by kryptonite and red suns since he's not from Krypton. Um, the the post crisis comet is the one get, that gets really really bizarre and because um, all this isn't bizarre already. No, and I honestly we're running out of time. I don't have time to get into it. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, it does involve the uh, the Matrix and. Um, and not wow. the Keanu Reeves Matrix. No, no, it's the Supergirl Matrix we don't talk about. Mm. But um, anyway, if you if you want to hear some fanfic uh, about William is Comet, you know, hashtag William is Comet, uh, Supergirl Radio Season 5.5, July 2nd, 2020. Uh, real quick, let me uh, think of, do I have time? Um, you got a couple minutes. Okay. Uh, there is Fuzzy the Crypto Mouse. Uh, it was a brief ally of Superboy, and he was uh, in uh, his first appearance was Superboy uh, number 65 in 1958. There is Ace the Bat Hound. Ace debuted in Batman 92 and was created by Bill Finger and Sheldon uh, Maldoff. And he uh, is usually drawn as a German Shepherd or, like you said, like a Doberman. Uh, sometimes he's drawn as a Great Dane, which I think could be a nod to Burt Ward and Tracy Ward's Gentle Giants Great, Rescue, uh, Great Dane Rescue. Um, he was found by Batman and Robin after his master was kidnapped by a gang of counterfeiters. Um, and there's also Bat Cow. Uh, Bat Cow was created by Art and, uh, and Franco in the uh, Tiny Titans number 17 in 2009. Uh, she stole Batman's cape and cow, became a vigilante, and she's a member of the League of Just Us Cows. Uh, Batcow was later brought into the DC Universe uh, proper and given a new origin. Uh, she was rescued from the slaughterhouse during one of Batman's raids on Leviathan and was taken as a pet by Robin uh, Damian Wayne. And he uh, named her Batcow, and she now lives in a barn in, Bat in uh, Wayne Manor. Uh, this... Uh, this experience also made Robin a vegetarian and uh, Bat Cow, the second revamp Bat Cow was created by Grant Morrison and uh, Chris Burnham uh, appearing in Batman Incorporated uh, volume two, number one. Um, so that's kind of the, 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 the super pets we've got time for. Uh, there's the Legion of super pets, the Legion of super zoomorphs, the space canine patrol agents and a lot, lot more. Yes. It's amazing. It, it really it, is. It goes but on and on. 
we can't end our. Oops, I'm so sorry. I was trying to close out uh, Nikki's <laughs> Nikki's PowerPoint and I knocked her out. That Bye, is Nikki. My Nikki, if you can get back on, that's my fault. It's not yours. I was trying to get her uh, PowerPoint out because I got uh, had too many windows. So if Nikki well, can get back on, we'll close you guys out. That was yeah. my bad. It's live. That's this fine. is bound to happen. Um, so we're definitely well, going to have to have um, you guys back on for another Super Pets uh episode i want to know cool. so much about the mouse, the super <laughs> oh, mouse. i know i know it's so fun it's really really cool um i was i was is this a good time to announce our dc tv super pets podcast i'm just i think andy's I mean, got room for it i think i think i was waiting for morgan to go there's just too many there's always too many of them but for the super pets i will make an exception <laughs> Nikki's down the hall going, what, what do you, what do you get me into? Oh, <laughs> I want to know more about bat cow. <laughs> bat cow. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> and Damien also apparently has a pet demon these days. So. Interesting. Oh, that yeah. seems. Okay. Goliath. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. That, was, that was my fault. That was my fault. Uh, I was trying to clear out and my windows and I cleared out the wrong one. That's Let's the see. most recent appearance. It's on stands now. So. Uh, if you can ah. see it there, it's written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. So awesome. Well, uh, just cool. to get to a few comments, uh, a com comments, not mm -hmm. comment, uh, before we, uh, we let you guys go. Rachel says she's here for the comment uh, character spotlight. We'll definitely have to get to that at some point. Yeah, I really want to hear Morgan's reaction to that one. <laughs> I, I want to know so much more and so much less. <laughs> it's uh, definitely a, a comic uh, soap opera. It's, um, it's pretty I can't amazing. Believe, I can't believe Comet two-timed Car that way and got <laughs> with Lois. How dare he? <laughs> oh man, I didn't know that. So y'all taught me something. Uh, That's some drama. Yeah, when yeah. when Lynn dropped that piece of knowledge on me, I, I kind of looked at him like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> that was unexpected. Um, He's a handsome horse, I guess. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's gonna do it for. Uh, well, and there was one more comment that I wanted mm -hmm. to uh, show y'all. Uh, Julie says, I like how the dog also have also has to have the secret identity protected. <laughs> Very well, important. Super otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't get into uh, the uh, aces has a, a secret identity and a mask and all that to, to protect his identity. There's a whole another story about that. We won't get into that today. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. That's good stuff. Um, and at some point, we, we should talk about uh, dog uh, breeds and, and crypto mm -hmm. because I, I'm putting Pekingese in the ring. Oh, <laughs> I love oh. <laughs> Pekingese are my favorite ones to watch on the dog show because they are the funniest looking little dogs with all the hair. Um, so I'm just saying, if somebody, wants to draw, <laughs> if somebody wants to draw me a crypto as a Pekingese dog, I would put <laughs> a little I, I think that sounds like a job for Comica Girl. Uh, Comic uh, girl or um, Mike Norton? <laughs> yeah, Mike I, Norton would be all on that. I would pay yes. for a commission of that. That would be incredible. Saying. Norton would probably do that one for you for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. The poor Pekingese dogs—they're very no. cute. <laughs> they just get made up with all that hair for the dog shows. All right. Well, thank you, Lynn and Nikki. That was a real treat. Uh, we'll have to well, have you, you on to talk more in depth about the super pets and uh, what we can learn from them. All right. Well, um, just as a reminder, I'm going to kick you guys out for real this time. And, uh, I'm in the we'll, Phantom uh, Zone. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
All right. So just as a reminder, uh, before we, uh, I guess we can go ahead and bring Leslie in, who is up next, one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants. Hey, Leslie, how's it Hi. going? Thank you for Good. joining us. Can you hear um, me? You can hear yeah. me? Okay. Yeah, okay, great. Can, we can definitely awesome. hear you. And I see your PowerPoint. And um, just as a reminder, if everybody can uh, share the link around to go to fundraise.rain.org slash Supergirl Radio, uh, spread it around, try to get some more donations. We're, we're uh, and, cooking. We're, we're currently standing at six ninety eight. So, Ooh. I mean, keep going, keep going. I like to see that number climb. <laughs> Who wants to get us to seven hundred? I think we can do it. It's we're two dollars off. Come on, people. Two dollars. Come on. I feel like making... we can get to seven hundred. Definitely. Dude, give a two dollar <laughs> donation, somebody. All right. So, uh, Leslie is one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants. Super smart, super uh, knowledgeable about the law. And um, she's who we go to when we have questions. But that doesn't seem like it's right. And she's the one who's like, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, uh, yeah. So Leslie is here to talk with us about some uh, legal things that maybe the show didn't get right. Um, so <laughs> imagine that. Um, so we are going to, um, uh, Leslie, if it's okay with you, we'll, we'll go to um, a little a little intro that we created and okay. then uh, it'll, it'll come back to you and then you can just uh, get us started okay. uh, about what Very you good. want to talk about. All right. Let me find it. All right. Uh, this is Supergirl versus lady justice legal or legal fail. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, before I begin uh, with this first slide, I need to make a slight disclaimer, which is uh, the views that are expressed here today are my own and not for any uh, past or current employer of mine. Um, in this particular slide, uh, this is from uh, the 100th episode, uh, It's a Super Life. And this is where Lena takes the stand and pleads the fifth. This is one of my favorite uh, legal fails. Uh, unlike the continuity in season two, where Supergirl was not involved in uh, Lillian's capture and Lena was the one who uh, called the police on Lillian in this particular uh, continuity, uh, what that Mixie came up with is that both Supergirl and Lena were involved in Lillian's uh, capture. And both of them were to testify at this particular trial. And there's several problems with these, these scenes as they unfold. And the first one is if you see this red arrow here, that's Supergirl standing up in the back of the courtroom. Uh, judges are in control of their courtroom. And I don't think a judge would like someone like uh, a superpowered being like Supergirl standing there, uh, especially since she's also going to be a witness uh, in this trial. Uh, witnesses are not allowed to hear the testimony of, the, uh, of another witness because they'll tailor their testimony, um, meaning they'll change their testimony um, based on what they've heard another witness say. Um, so Supergirl should not be there since she's going to be testifying. Um, the next issue, and then the other thing too is that 
the last Luther trial was notorious because uh, Lex uh, was able to somehow kill the judge and uh, the jury. So I don't think a judge would be too thrilled with having Supergirl, this super powered being standing in the back of her courtroom. Um, and I don't think a sheriff's officer or the bailiff would want that either. Um, then moving on uh, that uh, Lena takes the fifth here. She says, I plead the fifth. Um, that is an, uh, not an appropriate response. Lena cannot plead the fifth uh, with respect to Supergirl's name. Um, Supergirl's name, Cara Zorel, does not uh, incriminate Lena. Uh, more importantly, since Supergirl is going to testify uh, in this trial, uh, Supergirl will have to get up on the stand and state uh, what her name is. Um, she can't say it's Supergirl, that's not her name, and she'll have to give her real name. And if she doesn't want to do any of that, then she should not testify in this trial. And then the last thing that happens in this scene is uh, Supergirl is quite happy that Lena does not reveal her identity, but they're communicating with each other and sort of making googly eyes at each other. And that's wholly inappropriate for a witness on the stand communicating with someone uh, in the audience. Okay, um, in this scene, uh, we have uh, the FBI coming in, attempting to arrest Lena, and Lena figures out a way to allegedly to get out of it by uh, seemingly having Eve uh, kidnap her or, or threaten to kill her with the gun. Um, uh, presumably, the FBI had an arrest warrant for Lena based on probable cause, which is improbable cause is a well-grounded suspicion that uh, a crime was committed and that the defendant, meaning Lena, committed it. Um, you can't get out of that. Uh, you can't get out of that arrest warrant by having someone else try to kidnap you or kill you. The best thing to have been done here was for the FBI to have arrested uh, both of them. Um, or like what uh, Maggie did with, um, with Wynn when uh, Wynn allegedly had stolen that Starry Night uh, uh, picture from the museum, uh, you call up the the suspect, the defendant, potential defendant, and you have them come down and uh, Lena's attorneys, or you call Lena's attorneys and they would uh, negotiate her uh, surrender. And then at the station house, Lena could be put on bail or um, the attorneys uh, could um, say that uh, Eve has confessed and to uh, to the crime and then Lena could get off that way. The other interesting thing about this scene, too, is that uh, Eve is allegedly confessing, but she's confessing at the scene. And normally you want those confessions to be in writing. A lot of states require confessions uh, to be in writing to be valid. Also, we don't know that uh, Eve is confessing to all of the crimes that John uh, John and Alex and Supergirl know that Lena committed. So I give this a, a, a legal fail, the scene a legal fail. Um, in this scene, um, Supergirl is asking uh, this uh, Children of Liberty guy questions. She's actually interrog interrogating him, um, meaning that she's asking him a question that could incriminate him. He's, his hands are behind his back and he's handcuffed. And uh, so that means he's in custody and Supergirl is interrogating him. And then she says, look, you're getting in the back of a police car anyway. So talk to me. 
um, this child of liberty minion has a Fifth Amendment right to remain silent and not uh, answer uh, Supergirl's questions. And I don't think uh, there's been an incident ever on the show where any particular person who's been arrested that they have the show has uh, given that um, have, the show has never shown us uh, any arrestee receiving their uh, Miranda rights. Okay, this is from the first uh, season, and I always get a chuckle when I um, rewatch this episode. And Kara says, "Can we can we get a warrant to search Mr. Armstrong's uh, office? That's Dirk Armstrong who uh, hacked Cad uh, Grant." Um, Kara and the Super Friends are private citizens, and uh, they don't. Uh, and only law enforcement can get a warrant. They are not uh, law enforcement, and more importantly, again here, they do not have probable cause or reasonable suspicion that a crime has been committed. All they have is a uh, is a. Um, I guess a hunch that Armstrong is involved, but what he said um, at the time was when he was talking to um, the people in the elevator was he said that um, she'll be out, meaning Kat will be out at the end of the week and the press will do their work for them. But that doesn't really implicate Armstrong and being the person who hacked Miss Grant and conspired against Miss uh, Grant. Uh, so this is a legal fail as well. Um, Kara and the Super Friends cannot get a warrant. Only law enforcement can get a, a warrant based on probable cause, and it has to be issued by a judge. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? This is another favorite of mine. Uh, Lena is uh, very stylish in the striped uh, shirt, and uh, she also uh, walked in in a, a black uh, leather skirt. She looked very svelte, um, very appropriate uh, courtroom wear. Uh, but in this uh, part of the episode, which is the House of L, a great episode, um, Lena says, uh, I, meaning she, submitted our every correspondence into evidence. Uh, this is a problem. Witnesses do not submit items or uh, objects into evidence. Uh, the prosecutor does. And the prosecutor has to do certain things to get documentary evidence or tangible evidence uh, into evidence. It has to be authenticated, meaning it is what it purports to be. Um, and uh, a judge has to accept it. And also defense counsel uh, could uh, interpose an objection to anything that you try to submit into evidence. So uh, Lena stating that she submitted something into evidence is uh, not correct. Okay, I have um, presented uh, several areas or several scenes where uh, they were legal fails, but um, I like these two slides here to uh, show how the show did a pay did pay uh, particular attention to detail here. Um, prisoners and uh, people who are in jail, uh, it's cold, it's damp. They tend to wear long underwear or thermal shirts underneath their jumpsuits. And I just think it's really a testament to the show to um, show this particular detail where Lillian is in jail or in prison and she's wearing a, a thermal uh, long sleeve shirt and so is uh, Lena. So both of them are, are wearing thermal shirts and it is prison uh, chic correct. Um, the other thing the show got right was um, this creep who was uh, the his, uh, Alex and Cara's history uh, teacher who was uh, sleeping with an underage uh, 
girl, um, a, a member of his class, a student in his class, and that's wholly inappropriate. Um, Alex said that um, Mr. Bernard would um, end up being in jail for 10 years, and that seems uh, about an appropriate sentence for uh, what he did. Um, in, uh, in plain sight, uh, in the fifth season, we have Simon telling James that his mother uh, was arrested and convicted and was given a sentence of 10 years for stealing a 30 buck heater. Um, I don't, uh, I just found that uh, incredible and it actually irked me. I mean, I know the show was trying to show that his mother had received an unfair and unjust uh, sentence and also um, there was an incentive to perhaps put her in jail because they had a, a prison um, in Calvintown. Uh, that uh, it was a, um, a private corporation prison. And so it needed uh, inmates uh, in order for the corporation that owned that prison to make money. But I don't think that it's that any private or public um, prison would put a mother that has a minor child at home in jail for uh, stealing a 30 buck uh, heater. Um, stealing a 30 buck heater in my state in any way, anyway would be a disorderly person's offense. It would be a petty disorderly person's offense. So it would be the lowest of the low type of crime for which she would not um, ordinarily go to jail, especially if she had a, a minor child at home who was then rendered uh, homeless. Moving on to uh, former Sheriff Ron Collins. Um, Alex says that Collins was convicted of first degree murder um, after killing Kenny Lee. And uh, Collins got out after six parole attempts. Um, Alex uh, helped get Collins convicted when she was 17 years old. Um, this was the fourth season, so Alex should have been about 30 years old. So that was like 13 years this guy got for first degree murder, it seems uh, to be on the rather low side. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that um, uh, he attempted to kill Alex twice, Okara once, and also the drug charges uh, that he had. Okay, um, this is um, uh, American Alien, which was the premiere for season four, where Olivia Marsden was um, outed as an alien and she eventually had to resign. Um, she was ineligible to be president of the United States uh, because she was not uh, born in the United States. Um, I think it would have been, she was born on Durla, her home, home planet. I think it would have been much more interesting if her background was more like Nia's, where Nia is half human and half alien, but was born in the United States. And with the operation of the Alien Amnesty Act, giving aliens, <clears throat> excuse me, aliens the same rights as humans, that would have been a more interesting um, legal issue that the um, U.S. Supreme Court would have to um, uh, make a decision on whether Olivia Marsden was actually eligible to be president of the United States. Okay, um, the issue here is um, this is Man of Steel in the fourth season where uh, John is fighting one of the Daxamites and um, John bests the Daxamites down on the ground. And then um, John says, you're safe now. But as you can see behind John, the Lockwood's house is on fire. And so they're safe so long as they didn't want to live in that house. 
Um, I was hoping at the end of season four with all of the, the strife between aliens and uh, humans that um, Supergirl would have um, uh, sort of suggested that they create a special court where humans and aliens could address um, each other's um, claims of uh, wrongdoing or perhaps uh, compensation or reparations. And maybe Lockwood would not have been um, such a, a horrible person in the end if uh, there were such a court where he could have redressed all of the things that it, the bad things that had happened to him because of aliens. I was also hoping too that at the end of season four with the title of the finale, The Quest for Peace, um, which is a Superman title, I was hoping that uh, we would see uh, Supergirl place the uh, flag back on the White House, but that did not happen. Okay, um, this is the uh, fourth season and it's American Alien. Uh, it's actually the premiere from the fourth, the fourth season. Um, in this uh, scenario, a Guardian, uh, James revealed himself as Guardian, which wasn't so smart because he ended up being charged with crimes. He wasn't indicted, but he was charged. So the episode isn't really, he, isn't really clear, but it, it, they did say he was not indicted, but he was charged. Um, and what Lena does is she gets information on Bruno Mannheim from Lillian, and then she trades this information uh, to get uh, the James, James out of charges. Um, this is not appropriate. Lena cannot do that. She can't go behind James's back and more importantly, James's defense counsel's back and talk to the uh, prosecutor um, to get him out of those charges. Now, defendants oftentimes will trade information on a bigger fish and give that to um, a prosecution. And then the prosecution will give the defendant uh, immunity. But it has to come from the defendant herself, not um, his or her girlfriend. The other problem I, I have with this is I don't understand why James was charged uh, in the first place. Um, James had many defenses to any charges. Uh, he was a good Samaritan. He provided uh, emergency aid. And there's immunity for people who are good Samaritans and provide emergency aid. James, as any other individual, has the right, as a private citizen, has the right to arrest someone, a citizen, citizen's arrest. If you see someone commit a felony within your presence, you can arrest that person. Um, he also has, oh, he also has um, another defense of in defense of others. So even if charges were ultimately brought against James, um, they wouldn't they wouldn't stick. And then the last thing, too, I don't understand why the DEO did not provide um, Guardian cover because um, the Guardian did help the DEO and the DEO could have said that um, James was working for them. Okay, this is, again, what I was talking about earlier. The, the show has never um, uh, given any person who's uh, seen as being arrested their rights. And Maxwell Lord even asks um, um, Alex about, aren't you going to give me uh, my rights? And she says no, and eventually slams his head into the desk. Um, and then you also see Alex engaging in excessive force in um, Exodus. Um, she's beating up this uh, Cadmus guy. Um, she beats him up pretty bad and she doesn't badly and she doesn't really get into trouble for that. She gets in trouble and she's uh, suspended uh, because she con conspired with someone 
who looked like Jeremiah, but it was actually John pretending to be Jeremiah. And in the last uh, slide, you see Alex um, shooting her gun at a tractor trailer um, on a bridge um, in National City. Um, again, that's excessive force and uh, she probably should not be doing that. All right, this is the infamous Not Kansas episode. Whenever I rewatch this episode, I just skip through the gun control portions of this particular episode. Um, I liked the stuff about Argo City and it would be a fantastic episode, but for this gun control um, issue where James convinces John to have the DEO do, do away uh, with their use of protect, projectile um, weapons. And it doesn't make sense uh, because the DEO is charged with catching uh, super powered aliens and super uh, human humans. Um, and they need any and all weapons that they possibly can get their hands on. And they shouldn't just uh, willy nilly be giving up their guns. And even in the context of the show, um, it, this particular issue could not last uh, because in uh, Suspicious Minds, in the fourth season, when uh, Colonel Haley gets in trouble and the Morai are trying to uh, kill her, um, she readily does away with um, the anti-gun uh, policy and goes back to the use of uh, projectile weapons. Now, moving on to Obsidian North. Uh, Obsidian North in the premiere, um, Andrea Rojas uh, told uh, James and uh, Nia and uh, Cara about her right to exercise her non-compete, uh, their non-compete clauses in their contracts. Um, employers love these things, but employees uh, do not and courts uh, do not like them either. And uh, courts will usually reform, uh, meaning they will change the provisions to make them more reasonable. And uh, it was, this is called the blue pencil rule. And because back in the day, um, courts would literally take out a blue pen pencil and rewrite the contract to make it uh, more reasonable. And in any event, James got around uh, what Andrea was trying to do. Uh, he bought a paper. And uh, so he's still involved in journalism. He may not be writing it, but he's the editor and the owner of this particular, um, uh, the Calvintown Gazette. And there's nothing Andrea Rojas could do about it. And even if she did sue James, uh, she probably will lose. Um, to the extent that Supergirl takes place in California, uh, non-compete clauses in California are um, essentially unenforceable and illegal. Um, Obsidian North or Obsidian No More? I would say that Obsidian North is no more because of the variety of problems that it has. It didn't look into or take care of its computer glitches. Uh, people got addicted uh, to uh, the first uh, versions or the proto versions of the Obsidian uh, VR. Um, Kelly didn't follow up on um, the, the tech problems that um, she um, learned about. Um, you have this chlorophyllian right here uh, who goes into the into CatCo and attacks the employees essentially. And she does a riff on Terminator 2, get out if you want to live. Um, 
Also, uh, Kelly tells Alex all of the various people that are stuck in VR. And then Supergirl has to uh, convince billions of uh, via the Obsidian North VR users uh, to uh, end uh, simulation uh, because Leviathan was going to attempt to kill all of them. Um, so I think that Obsidian North uh, is not long. Uh, it's not going to be around much longer. And that's all she wrote. Well, Leslie, that was great. Um, uh, I could see, I could see Morgan <laughs> behind the scenes and she was loving it. Um, so, uh, before we let you go, we do have some comments and questions. I didn't want to pop in cause you were on a roll and you were, you were cooking. So I thought okay. we would let you, let you get through your, uh, presentation. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I know we had some questions in here. Um, so, uh, Claudia, I think has a question. Is Lena required to reveal Supergirl's identity? If so, what could have, what could have Lena said to prevent her from having to reveal Supergirl's identity? So what, how would you answer that? Um, the, if the question was deemed a valid question and the judge said, Lena Luther, you have to answer this question. Lena could uh, refuse to answer the question and the judge would say, either you answer the question or I'll hold you, hold you in contempt and you will go to jail. And Lena could just uh, say, I'm not going to answer. And so she would be handcuffed and be carted off to jail and she would sit into jail in jail until she decided to reveal uh, Supergirl's identity. But it doesn't, and it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because Supergirl is going to testify anyway. Um, <laughs> so, good uh, point. And uh, she also says maybe in the Supergirl universe, Miranda <laughs> rights don't exist. Do you, do you think that's possible? Should I, I, I think they still probably should have Miranda rights. What would you say to that, Leslie? I think the Constitution still exists because uh, in one of James's, it was a good scene where it was. It's where um, Lockwood comes in to get Nia when Nia reveals herself as um, Dreamer. And Lockwood's trying to arrest her. And uh, James grabs Lockwood's gun and crushes it and said, unless you're going to change the Constitution, get out and get out now. Oh, ah. So, so there is a Constitution. I was <laughs> very happy. I liked that scene. Um even though James had Supergirl's powers. Uh, but um, <laughs> I liked the scene. It was a very powerful scene and it was well acted. And I was like, aha, there is a constitution. You you brought up such a good point about the Miranda rights. Cause I don't know if you ever watched uh, TNT's The Closer, um, but yes. they made, but they made a, it was my, one of my favorite shows. One uh, of my Bre favorites too. Brenda Lee Johnson, one of the best characters on TV ever made. You should look at it. <laughs> yes. uh, if, um, well, the reason I bring The Closer up is that they made a point every episode to do the Miranda rights. They always thought that that was very important. And they, they had police co consultants on that show to make sure that they were trying to do it by the book. So that's a really good example of a show really kind of following those uh, police guidelines. Well, the other thing too, when, um, when Supergirl asked the children, a Liberty guy, uh, since you're getting into a police car anyway, talk to me, um, <laughs> whatever he said would be suppressed by a judge. So you get no, you can never convict him based on what he said at that scene. So you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So it's useless. <laughs> All right. So our final question for you uh, from Rachel, is there anything that the show gets right? Yes. Uh, the, the thermal shirts 
underneath the uh, um, the jumpsuits. <laughs> I was impressed with that small detail. <laughs> and then also um, the creepy um, history professor. He got 10 years for sleeping with Josie. Uh, yeah, there that was, yeah, that was pretty creepy. Um, and I agree with you, Leslie, about the gun control episode. I only like to watch the Argo uh, parts as well. So I think that's a valid way to, <laughs> to watch that episode. <laughs> Just skip to Argo. <laughs> Just skip to the good parts. That's fine. Exactly. Um, well, Leslie, this was a real treat. Thank you for coming on uh, this uh, fundraiser marathon to talk about the le legalities of the Supergirl TV series. And I'm sure we'll have you on again because uh, you're a fan favorite. People people love oh, the you. legal consultants. We, we have a question. We know who to call up. We're yeah. like, hold on. We put our like legal bat symbol in the air. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to get a jingle for you guys. Um, okay. And so we'll, we'll have, we'll have a, a, a real uh, legal consultant intro, intro. So thank you for your time tonight and for being thank with you. us and uh, for all that you do for Supergirl Radio. Oh, so, it's my uh, pleasure. And thank you for having me. And um, I want to thank my son, Brandon, because he came up with the music. And my nice. friend Warren, too. I love it. It was a great choice. Thank you. All right. Well, we will uh, say goodbye to Leslie. And uh, we're going to uh, transition into our next segment, which is about the Danvers sisters. So we're going to bring in our uh, guest uh, podcast hosts, if you will, for that. So um, and I do want to give an update on our fundraiser. Yes, let's so, do it. Uh, as of a second ago, we are at seven ninety nine. Oh, which is oh, wow. just one dollar. If anybody is keeping track, away from eight hundred. <laughs> so if you wanted to give, say, several dollars, one dollar, whatever you want to do, because I can't deal with it being seven ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we got to give over. a nice round, even number. <laughs> I said it on Twitter. Why seven? Why eight hundred? Let's go for a thousand. Let's just keep going. We've, we've got some. We've got some. We've got some time left. Yeah, um, we're not done. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, somebody just give one dollar. So uh, you can do that by going to fundraise.rain.org/supergirlradio, uh, and you can do that uh, now. It would be cool if you did it during the fundraiser, but you can still give even after uh, we stop the live stream. So uh, please give if you can. All right, so uh, we are going to start with the uh, Danver Sisters segment. So uh, Morgan and I are going to get out of here, but we're going to leave this in uh, Donna's capable hands with her guests. And so, Donna, I'm going to let you introduce everybody, and uh, we'll uh, get out of y'all's hair. Thank you, Rebecca. Morgan, thank you, first of all, for letting us all do this for this great cause. And we appreciate you giving us time to talk about our favorite super siblings. Um, for those that don't know me, I'm Donna Cromines. I'm on Twitter as DJ Writer. I write for Spoiler TV, and I recently started a gig as the Arrowverse, or as an Arrowverse features writer for Screen Rant. And I am also a contributor to a book by McFarland Press called Girl of Steel, Essays on Television, Supergirl, and Fourth Wave Feminism. And surprise, surprise, my chapter was on the Danvers Sisters. Uh, I'm joined today to two people who should not be strangers to the Supergirl fandom. First of all, I'm going to say hello to DT with the Danvers Sisters team on Twitter, who is always active in reminding us how much we love those siblings. And also, I'm going. we're joined with one half of It's a Twin Thing, who are known on on Twitter and on YouTube for the wonderful, wonderful videos they make about the Danvers sisters. And the half we have here today is Nikki. And let's give a shout out for Nikki because it's like two in the morning where she is. Good and hot, <laughs> ladies. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm a night owl. It's fine. <laughs> okay. DT, how are you doing? Yeah, fine. Thanks, thanks for having me. And hey. it's the same time for Donna and me, strangely, but happily. <laughs> Just to show you how widespread the audience is and how big the fan base is, I am in the United States. DT is in Peru. And yeah, in Lima. And, and Nikki is in the UK. So we've got an international panel here tonight. Um, and <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk. Let me, I want to go back for a second to, to Nikki and say, you know, so many people love your videos about the Danvers sisters. And if Rebecca can throw up that first slide, you even get some feedback from some of the fans, don't you? Uh, yeah, we get quite a lot of feedback, um, which is always nice. I, I love I love feedback, whether it's good or bad. There you that's go. The way you can, that's the only way you can improve. So, you know. Oh, well, from you, Kyler. <laughs> you impressed this fan. Yeah. How did, how, how did it feel when you got that? Um, I think, like, Holly came in to me and she was like, Nikki, Kyler's just retweeted our video. <laughs> and we were just like, oh. And we were kind of, we were like, shake it without shaking and... Like, I think that's the most, like, interaction we've got from Twitter. Because um, we're not huge on Twitter. We're, we're usually bigger on YouTube, which is understandable. But, um, yeah, we weren't used to that many notifications. Our phones kept going off constantly, and it was it was different. Yeah. And obviously, like like anybody else who gets a, a comment or a retweet from a star, you screenshotted it. Uh, yes, of for course. Posterity. <laughs> for posterity. Yes. Well, let's get it. Let's jump jump right in because I know we're we're going to be talking tonight about some of our favorite Danvers sisters moments uh, during the show. They have certainly started off. You know, they have grown so much since we first met them five years ago. Uh, they've gone from being you know, one protective of the other. They've both gone through growth and heartache and just so many things. And if anything, I think they're stronger than ever. What is it about the Danvers sisters that you love? Uh, DT, why don't we start with you? Oh, yeah. I. But first, I want to point out that we know the, rela the, the relationship that Kara and Alex have after the Jeremiah's death, but we don't know what happened in that year that Jeremiah was alive and some glimpse, but we don't have all the picture of about those, those, those years. And I think it's important to, to point out that because uh, I don't think that they always have this, this distant relationship or this role start. I think that uh, that's why Alex is the most important person for uh, for Kara, because maybe in that year that we don't know exactly what happened, and I think that Alex became the the anchor to the anchor to her to to Kara. That's a good point, Nikki. What is but what yeah. is what makes it what makes the sister special to you? Um, I think having a twin sister really like helps us connect with it because we understand that bond that they have. And I think because she's my best friend, so I can see how Alex and Carr, they're each other's best friend. 
Alex is Kara's rock and Holly's my rock. So it's yeah, kind right. of, I, we relate to them in a lot of ways in that emotional kind of way, which is why we like making edits about them. But it's like that bond that we see on TV and and I think we all kind of talked a little bit and discussed, I mean, as strong as that bond is between the characters, I don't think it would work if the bond wasn't as strong between Kyler and Melissa. I just don't think it would translate as well. And there is a moment in the pilot that, you know, to me, that's what solidified it. That moment right there is, is when yeah. Alex was starting to leave and, and Carr reached back and took her hand. That was the moment I knew that this was going to be a special TV show and that these were very special characters. Yeah, yeah really and that make it. Yeah, and that make you. If you don't have a sister, that make you want to have one, and exactly. to have to feel that, to feel that strong connection, to feel uh, that you have someone that support you and there is always there for you, and no matter what, and. That's what they are for each other. Exactly. And as we go on to the next, I'm just going to ask Rebecca, just slowly. There we go. Here's here's another moment in Livewire. This is when uh, Eliza came to town right after Supergirl had revealed herself to the world. Which was a good, which was a great, another great sisters moment. What we're going to be doing is just showing some slides and these are in the order um, I tried to put them in the order of the episode, but if I missed one, y'all forgive me. <laughs> well, this the couch is, scenes are good. Oh, yeah. I mean, the couch. And speaking of which, we want to give a shout out to our friend Danvers Couch, who is who is in the chat room watching. We appreciate yeah. all our support for the sisters. But this was the scene. This was, what was it? No talking, just hugs? Yeah, yeah. No talking, <laughs> yeah. just hugging. Just hugging. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right after Astra died. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and that shows that Alex doesn't need a word to show Kara how much uh, she loves her. That's simply a hug, and, and that's enough. Yeah. All right. And then the next one, I think this may be one of my very favorite scenes. This is the moment to me the space oh, family the, born. Yeah. This is when Alex has confessed to the Astra, and you're not sure what Supergirl's going to do. And um, and she just hugs her. So yeah, then it's it's her taking care of Alex. So that that you know, and then when Hank's trying to walk away and she reaches out and takes his hand. To me, that's when our space family was born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and also the, that personality, Kara's personality, that she was suffering in that moment, but she she was suffering. She was also suffering because of Alice, because she knew that broke her, and even when she was uh, grieving her her aunt, her dear aunt, she forgave her her sister because she loved her, loved her that much. So. That that's also a really uh, powerful um, information about 
how the connection between them is that no matter what happened, even the worst thing that could happen is uh, Alex killing her aunt can broke that that uh, connection they have. So I think it was to absolve her of any guilt that she was feeling and to let yeah. her know that she would still always be there for her and love her because yeah, she knew but, Alex wouldn't do it without reason. So yeah, and yeah, Alex suffering because she. Every time she was in the in the couch with Kara, she wanted to, to tell her, but something happened and she she wouldn't be able to do it. And you could see the remorse on her on his face on her face. And she was like, "I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her." But she was so afraid to lose her that she didn't do it. So she, she I think, she was suffering because she was waiting too much to to say the truth. She was scared too. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go to the next one, Rebecca. Uh, uh, oh, that that moment! <laughs> I love that moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's the coming out scene. The alien, you get the girl. Yeah, that's uh, Alex has come out to her sister, and she's telling her about Maggie, and uh, and this is a true sister's moment. And and this was an important scene between them, too, because Alex wasn't sure if Kara was OK with her coming out or or everything. So it was just such a wonderful moment. She's like, I'm more than OK with it. You go get the girl. I'll take care of the bad guys. You know, it's just so it was just so genuine. Yeah, I do. I and do then love that scene. at the end, we have the moment that just kills me every time I watch the episode. Oh, and that one. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, and uh, she says that she doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And also, yeah. also um, Alex always maintained this facade that she is the strong one, that she's, she's a badass. And the only person, uh, we see her uh, breaking and show real emotions or allow herself to be weak is with Kara because exactly. she knows she's not going to judge her and that that's that's so heartwarming because you know that I know that those moments are really painful but those are the best moments because we have this, uh, these hearts that mean everything when you need it the most. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, every bit of emotion in that scene came purely from Kyler and Melissa. I have seen the script for this episode. And that's that particular scene was like maybe a half a page. And it just says Alex breaks down or Kara says this. All of the emotion and all of the feeling and the 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 way Kyler's voice quivered and and all of that that all came from them and the directing because it was not written it was it was implied on the page but they gave it such life with such emotion such depth and again I don't think that this scene would have worked if they were not as close as they were yeah yeah 
I saw the script. I think you you show me the script and I read it and I and I say, damn, this two together. They you gave it one single lie and they made gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the thing is about the portrayal of the Danvers sisters, it's not just Kyler and Melissa that have that connection as we're seeing now. We're seeing it between uh, Isabella and Olivia as young mm -hmm. Alex and Cara. And we see it, we see this camaraderie too between uh, uh, Lisa and Jennifer, Jen, Jen who are um, Melissa and Kyler's stunt doubles. Yeah. So I think they set the they set the standard and the others are kind of following suit. Yeah, for sure. You, I mean, you can tell there's genuine love between Kyler and Melissa. So, I yeah. mean, uh, Nikki, you've had the pleasure of meeting her, have you not? Uh, yes, I had the pleasure of meeting Kyler. Um, I think it was about two years ago now, um, and uh, we went to a show with um, her husband, uh, where her her husband's band was performing and Kyler was there and we just went and we talked to her probably for about five or ten minutes about Supergirl and how important the Danvers sisters was and all she could do was gush about Melissa. You can tell that she just truly just loves her. So it's always like nice to see it's genuine. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, we'll go to the next one. I have to admit, I have a personal oh, when I love this scene so much, I commissioned a fun coat made of it and and got it. And that was my birthday present to myself this year. This is a moment where you've got Supergirl literally moving heaven and earth to save her sister. Yeah, yeah. it's one of my favorite scenes, especially with um, the score that they use for it, which they also used for uh, season one, episode six. So I just love that music and it, I think it really ties it together. Oh, well, yeah, it, it builds and it builds the emotion and it builds the, the whole, you know, her desperation and she wasn't giving up. Yeah, she was fighting with all, all her soul because she oh. was about to lose the most important isn't person it, for her. Isn't it, isn't it, the music you mentioned, Nikki, isn't it the music from um, Red Tornado? It is, yeah. And then when that moment when Alex puts her hand on the on the on the window or whatever you want to call it, I mean, you're just going, okay, she's going to do it now. And she's yeah. there also supporting her as well. She's not just being saved she's like you can do this she's again being cars rock it's like i trust you i believe in you but, yeah exactly. yeah i love using that scene i always wish i could use <laughs> what, more of what it what is the name of what is the name of the song uh oh, what is it called um, harnessing anger i think it might be it was it was first used in red tornado so yeah, I'm gonna look for it because I have uh, the one that is called uh, "Having a Good Sister" that I like to use <laughs> in some some videos I make. Of course, I'm not the, not close 
and now not not even close as good as as Nikki because I'm in love with with your videos. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's go on. Trigger. Oh, that hug. That hug. And we all know by yeah. now that, that was, again, this was another unscripted moment. This was all ad libbed. <laughs> that little, that that little, little scoot, you know, Tyler scooting yeah, across the floor in the hug. Yeah. Exactly. No. And, and, immediately after I saw that scene, no, this can be, this can be scripted. This, this is purely then. It must be then. Yeah. Th those moments they, they have and they, they decide to keep it because yeah. it's. And you know what scene we left out from the first season is, is the pillow, the pillow fight. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Which was another unscripted one. Another of my favorite episodes of season one is actually uh, for the girl who had everything when Alex goes to save her. Oh yeah! Oh uh, yeah! That's, that that's, a, that's a great moment. That that one um, where she says, "I need my sister." Yeah, yeah. yeah the desperation one. in her voice—it was amazing to to see because you 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 see how good an actress is. Uh, it's uh, Kyler. Kyler is such a good actress especially for drama. So if you give them drama, they made amazing scenes about it. But see, they all, but they also do so well with the comedic scenes, like the scene at the, I forget what season is it, the second season or the third season, uh, second season, Thanksgiving, where she Oh, had, when she's, she's running, no. When, when Cara takes the, her beer away from her and puts it in the freezer. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> that moment. <laughs> and Alex and, and Alex goes behind her in the freezer and comes out with the scotch. Yeah, yeah. She was sneaking, <laughs> sneaking out in the fridge, and she went for the scotch <laughs> because she she had a beer, but she went for the scotch. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> What's next, Rebecca? Oh, I cried. Oh. This one and that time. even wasn't on Supergirl. That was on the crossover, right? No, no, no. That was after the Ruby recital, music recital, right? Yeah. Uh, when yeah, Ruby Alex, was singing. Yes. Alex. She got emotional. That she and went out. Mother. Yeah. That's. I was so proud of Alex in this moment that she finally recognized that. Her feelings mattered and what she wanted mattered, but she knew to get it, it was going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it was about time for Alice to think on herself. But, um, yeah, I think she knew that she had to give up Maggie for something that she really wanted because they weren't going to agree on what Alex really wants. Which I do hope that Alex does get at the end oh, of season really? six. I really hope she does. <laughs> We've been waiting too long. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I'm hoping we're going to do it. Uh, this is when Alex and Wynn got infected. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where she gets that scratch, isn't it? From Yes. Pestilence. Yes. 
Yeah, and I, I remember that I told you this, Donna, that I feel a little bit rubbed in that episode because after Alex recovered, we see a little hot, but we didn't see a meaningful uh, couch scene between the two of them because literally Alex almost died. Right. So Cara, Cara's concern, I, I don't know, show, show her concern or her fears to, fit, to almost losing her sister. Yeah. I, I miss that. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. What do you think, ladies? I think we also, maybe not robbed, but we were denied another great scene. There was a, um, they set this whole thing up about Emra doing what she was doing because she was trying to save her sister. And now here you have Supergirl fighting for her sister and her sister laying there dying. And then you have James come in to talk to Wynn about dying. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That should I have agree. been a sister's scene. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. I I think sometimes the Danvers sisters can get pushed aside for other, yeah. which I mean, other characters also, does, also deserve screen time. It's just I feel like Car and Alex are the heart and soul of the show. So yeah. Well, my, you know, my, my dream episode is, and I don't think that we will ever get it, but my dream episode is just Alex and Kara, just Kyler and Melissa, and they're trapped somewhere, and Supergirl doesn't have her powers, so they're fighting to, to get out or get free or, or save each other. And that one, but just an hour of them doing that, just, just let them go for an hour. Yeah, I, I would totally let them get loose in in, like uh, in the wood. <laughs> just yeah. just let them be dragged to the wood and stay there for three days trying to survive. <laughs> and we go. see we see Kara uh, trusting on Alex surviving skill. Well, <laughs> and we've seen and we've almost seen, like I said, in the, in their growth. We've seen them going from Alex being the protective big sister, and then we've seen Kara grow into Supergirl and becoming more self-assured, and then we see Alex's journey uh, coming out and, and becoming more sure of herself and, and able to say what, what she wants. And then it's sort of, and, and I know it's going to be an unpopular position, and I'm, I'm going to hold off on this comment till we get to that slide. But um, it's it's just their growth is is just it's it, it just keeps going forward and it keeps making their bond stronger and stronger. Let's see the next one, Rebecca, please. I'll make it rain. <laughs> make it rain. Oh, this is the no pizza on Argo line. Yeah, and that character came back from Argo. Let her mom there. There's, there's something particularly weird because she just uh, she just found, found out that her mother is alive after 30 years I think it was uh, 13 years and I, I still don't understand why they didn't make Alura come to, to her to be with her daughter or at least have more interaction with her daughter and I don't know met uh, meet uh, 
um, Eliza or Alex more because they are a huge part of Carl's life, but also show that how important is Alex to Cara that she decides to stay here on Earth and <laughs> jokes aside about the pizza, she decided to stay here on Earth because of Alex. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Cara's, not Cara, Alex is Cara's home. She's said it so many times, so. Especially on season three. <laughs> I, I yes. think that I made a, vi a video or a collage about how many times in season three Cara uh, say that Alex was her home. I think one was in Midvale episode, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, one was in this episode and the other one was in uh, episode 20. I think. Yeah, I think she. she yeah. Says, uh, yeah, I think so. But but we're at least three times. Absolutely. Uh, oh. Oh no, that moment. These two. I cry. I, I don't know if there's anybody else on television that can make me cry in an instant the way these two can. <laughs> I was crying so hard, and and now I'm a person that usually don't cry. I cry with Lexi's dead. But in that moment no one was dying, but it was like someone someone was dying. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, I was late. I don't think I did cry. <laughs> I was No I, think, I cried. <laughs> I think all all I I think part of the problem with making fan is it's is all I see is how am I gonna make this? this bit's important so I need to so I think it kind of gets robbed in that way because every time I watch I'm just thinking what can I use but, <laughs> but, you, but, know, but you know instantly just, just emotional scenes between them are just gold I mean yeah I agree I always love a Danvers sister scene. They're yeah. always good. Yeah. So, see now here. This this oh, is moment and this is why. What hooked me on the show in the beginning was them taking hands in the pilot, and to me in Red Dawn, this was them coming full circle because it was marking the end of the mind wipe storyline. Mm -hmm. Which I'm going to express an unpopular opinion. I loved the mind wipe storyline, I thought it was necessary for them to reset their relationship for both of them to, to be able to step back and look and see that it was okay to think about themselves. From uh, time to time. I, I agree. I, I think it was also unpopular. Uh, I'm also with you on that. I loved uh, <laughs> the mind wipe. I mean, not just for angst purposes, because that's just my whole thing. But yeah, I thought it made sense for them as characters. And it it kind of allowed them to grow in themselves. Yes. And I apologize. It's just come to my attention that that last slide was, I had season five and it's season four. Yes, it is. 
That's my bad gang. I was trying to get everything in and it's, there's just too much. Uh, all right. And here's the end of it. And, and I know Rebecca's somewhere in the background chuckling because it's got take the grass. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a Supergirl Radio uh, favorite moment uh, from, from season four. Well, Sorry, ladies, uh, I don't know how much uh, longer the, that's, the that's it. that was the last slide. So that was do Do you want to talk about this last slide and then we'll we'll wrap you guys up? Take yeah, the rest. Um, <laughs> that you know that's another you're my home moment. And while we're wrapping up, I just want to say thank you to my guests. And, um, and I also, Rebecca's got, a, 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 I have a special gift for our listeners. Uh, anybody that's sending a self-addressed stamped envelope. Oh, yeah. Let me let me pull that up for you, Donna. I've got a puppy. Stamped envelope. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I have a puppy. And I have like 25 puppies from my neighborhood. <laughs> they, and they're trying they to get on the live stream. Yeah. <laughs> and if you will send a self-addressed stamped envelope to this address, and I will send you a signed bookmark from the Girl of Steel book. And also thank you to Danvers Couch, who gave us some Danvers Couch stickers. Well, Very cool. Uh, and, and let's just wrap it up real quick. Show of hands. How many think that the last scene of the last episode should be a Danvers Sisters Couch scene? Me. Definitely. I'm raising my hand. Obviously. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Rebecca, thank you again for letting us spend an, uh, some time talking about our favorite super siblings. Nikki, DT, thank you for joining me. And we still have a lot more. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more moments to come because I have a feeling they're going to go full circle and focus this last season back on our sisters. We, yeah. I hope so. Let's, yeah, let's definitely yeah, hope so. Finger for that. <laughs> well, I encourage you guys um, for uh, the hosts of this segment, uh, get in the chat because um, there are a lot of people sharing thoughts with you guys. I wasn't able to. I, I realized when I was sharing the PowerPoint, I wasn't able to bring up the comments at the same time. <laughs> so I couldn't bring up the uh, the comments and the wonderful things people were saying. And so they were having a conversation with you all. So if you want to get back in the the live chat and and respond to any of those, feel sure. free. Sure. Uh, because because uh, I know a lot of people love talking about the, the Danvers sisters. So uh, feel free to go in there and uh, see see what people were saying. And uh, if anybody wants to follow Danvers team and it's a twin thing, uh, there are some links in the video description below. So definitely give them a follow and uh, on YouTube and Twitter. And I think there's an Instagram. So go follow them all the places and uh, support uh, the great work that they're doing. And uh, and also Donna, but, but you're already yeah. following Donna because you're a Supergirl Radio listener, so you should be following Friend Donna everywhere. Show. Yeah, <laughs> Donna's a, a recurring guest, is a, a recurring fan favorite. Can I, can I give you a spoiler? Oh yeah, sure. I've just received my second um, official assignment from Screen Rant, and it is Supergirl related. So it will be oh a nice new content from donna so everybody make sure you follow so you'll get you'll get a link to that all right well we are going to say goodbye to the danvers sisters crew and uh thank you guys for joining us and we will uh be talking to y'all later all right so uh where where are we on the fundraiser morgan good question rebecca <laughs> i just checked and we're currently at 8 45 whoa whoa that's i I mean, I feel like we're now within the range that like a thousand seems pretty reasonable and we could get there. 
I think it is possible. So uh, keep spreading. The, I, feel, the link I feel it. It's close. <laughs> I mean, we're so close to 900. We might as well just start there and just keep inching up as, as we exactly. go along. Slow so, and steady. <laughs> so, uh, so go to fundraise.rain.org slash Supergirl Radio. You can see it there at the top of the screen. I don't know where you see it on the top of the Up screen somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, and we'll, we'll relink it in the uh, chat. If anybody wants to go donate, anything is welcome. Dollar, two dollars, any amount, doesn't matter. It's all going to a, a great cause and in honor of Melissa Benoist tonight. So uh, our next segment and sorry for everybody. We're going a little kind of, we're a little late because we're trying to shift some time since we uh, kind of started the listener segments a couple of minutes late. So we're getting, we're getting to our, our uh, last listener segment uh, before Morgan and I do a little 30 minute uh, thing in my bopper. Uh, but you guys are going to love this next one because I I'm have so to brag. <laughs> I have to brag on uh, Nicole, who is going to be hosting this segment. Uh, when we put out the call to send uh, submissions and p- p- pitches for uh, pitches for a segment, it was a high quality pitch. <laughs> Nicole recorded a video, put it on an unlisted YouTube link, and sent it over. <laughs> and I immediately uh, messaged Morgan. I was like, "You have to watch this." For me, I was, I was like, "This is it. This is the whole thing." <laughs> she was like, "Here are some ideas." I was like, "I want all of them. We have all of them." <laughs> For me, it's sort of this is a high compliment to Nicole. It rivaled the the Jim Henson Muppet Show pitch. So if you've never seen that, go to YouTube uh, and look up Jim Henson Muppet Show pitch. High it's, praise. <laughs> it's it's right up there. Uh, so uh, thank you to Nicole for uh, putting that extra effort in. Uh, but and thank you to everybody who's who's been on the uh, the live stream with us tonight. All quality segments, all a lot of fun, and so we really value everybody's times. Uh, so speaking of which, we're going to bring Nicole in. So hello, Nicole, Doctor Doctor Nicole Green. We should probably put some respect on that name. So, so um, oh I'm like blushing. That was so nice. Thank you. Uh, it's it's all true. All true. One hundred. You you made my day when I got to watch your your video pitch. I was like, what is this? I love this. Maybe I'll I'm going to try to get to as many of those ideas as I can today. I'm excited. Very sure. Very <laughs> packed <cool>. in. <laughs> Well, we've got uh, Supergirl Radio legal consultants. Now we have a science consultant. I think now we're going to have some Danvers sisters experts because they knew some things I didn't know. Yeah, and, and now we got some Super Pets uh, experts. Uh, so we're we're just we're we're accumulating. Well, I think we're a really well-rounded podcast. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we have what a do lot you want to know? We have an expert for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we we've got we've got a lot of really smart listeners. So uh, Nicole, if you want to fire up your presentation. Yes. And we'll uh, get you started. So Nicole is going to talk about uh, science. Th- science. science. Uh, <laughs> I've been wanting to do that all day. Science. Uh, so she's going to talk about science on Supergirl and the things that they may or may not uh, get right on the show. So we're uh, we're going to have to learn about science with Nicole. So, Nicole, if you want to uh, uh, fire up that first slide and uh, we will let you get to it. Okay. All right. You, are you ready, Nicole? Can you hear me? Can you- yes. Yep. I am ready. Okay. We awesome. are going to leave and you're going to take over and we'll, we'll probably pop up some questions if anybody has some. So uh, it's uh, it's your 30 minutes. Absolutely. So I, I do have a second device up, so I'm going to try to keep an eye on the chat, but uh, we'll see how talented I am and how much I can multi multitask. Um, okay. So perfect. So 
as I said, um, I, I'm Nicole Green. I'm a postdoc research scholar and academic scientist uh, at the University of Iowa. Um, and so my pitch was basically um, trying to decide how can I uh, really just do an extended boardroom or ballroom. And so the idea I came up with is, is let's approach this as somebody who is, is um, a safety auditor or somebody who comes into labs and, um, you know, they have to, with a very like clinical and detailed eye, look and see what the science is like um, in Supergirl. So we basically have the DEO lab spaces, um, uh, I guess the DEO lab spaces, L Corp. And then um, I guess in season five, we sort of have that alternate uh, Luther lab that Lex and Lena are uh, working out of. So I'm going to give some disclaimers just like Leslie did, except I think hers were real and my are more to give you some perspective of who I am. Um, I don't have competing interests because I just work in a lab in a basement. Um, I'm not a consultant, but I'm available to consult if anybody um, wants a consultant for free. Um, I do not represent the University of Iowa. They do not know that I am here doing this, although I think they'd be into it. And um, just as, a, as an idea, I'm an academic scientist. So the, the scientists that we typically see in Supergirl are um, in, in a corporate environment or, you know, they very much so are, are doing science for a specific purpose to create a product or to immediately apply it to some sort of usually very dramatic scenario. So sort of our motivations are very different. So um, I guess we'll keep that in mind. And my training has all been done in the United States and I currently work in the United States. Um, so that the training can differ um, depending on where you are in the world. So um, big Supergirl radio fan, recently got into podcasts in the last couple of years, and I frequently listen to these um, in, in the lab late at night while I'm working on the microscope. So thank you to everybody who's been fans for years and has helped build up this community. I have really enjoyed getting to know you all. So without further ado, um, we'll get into this this idea. So we're going in with the lens of, you know, if I'm an environmental health and safety um, officer, I come in to do an assessment of the lab. What would we see? And more importantly, would they pass without fines? I'm going to say probably not, but I think it will be uh, a really, really fun. Okay. So there's basically three areas that if you're coming into a lab and you're thinking about sort of safety and good scientific practice that you would think about, the first is sort of the um, the behavior in the lab, how do you act? Um, the, the second would be how do you dress and or what protective equipment should you be wearing? And um, the third is sort of the environment that you exist in and the instrumentation around you. And all, all are, are all of those things up to code? Um, and, and are they a conducive environment to do not only good science, but, but safe science? So um, I think Morgan or Rebecca, if you want to cue the the boardroom or ballroom theme music we can do that now and now lena luther boardroom or ballroom i love it okay so to get right into it i thought we'd just start off really strong and, and get into the outfits so i basically for the last like several days just been staring at pictures of lena luther's outfits if you've never been on um shop your tv or worn on tv i would recommend it you can see how much everything costs um, but a big part of being in the lab that we talk about and gets talked about consistently um, is, you know, the, the outfits. And especially in regards to women, this can get a little like <laughs> political, unfortunately. So there, there's some, I think, some serious undertones to, to what um, people are judged about wearing in the lab. Um, but there's also, you know, in, in terms of thinking about telling people what to wear in the lab, 
the, the safety component is what matters. So um, here on the, the left, we have a, a really good um, example of Lena doing something that she should in the lab, which is she's got on a lab coat. Um, you know, she, she's working at this very nice microscope that I tried to figure out what it was, but could not. Um, but I'm not dissuaded. I'm still searching. Um, so basically, this is a, a good example of Lena doing um, what she should be doing in the lab. Um, she's always got her hair back, usually, in the lab, which is also a big component of something you're supposed to do. You don't want your hair, you know, getting in chemicals and all that. Um, but I would say, you know, we also have several examples um, outside of the lab where there's a lot of exposed skin. Like, this is not good for splashes. Um, you're doing reactions that could potentially be violent, like you're about to get some some skin burns. Um, so this is a big no-no. And if you've ever been in uh, any sort of like university lab setting, you know that this is frowned on. Like this outfit, um, while incredible, would not be allowed um, in a lab that I'm TAing, for example, because that's a lot of paperwork you have to fill out when somebody gets hurt. And unfortunately, I think this uh, Victorian ghost outfit, while like just really popping in, um, you know, season five, that's lace. I looked it up. That is not a special sort of material. Although I wouldn't put it past Lena to create some sort of like transparent material that she could, um, you know, in fact, wear a, a windowed blouse in the lab and be safe. But uh, from what I can tell, this is uh, not one of those cases. So Lena is a hazard sometimes um, if she's coming in and out of the lab in her daily like corporate attire. Um, in terms of, of, you know, whether or not they're wearing lab out or uh, lab coats, that's a big thing. Not everybody in a lab will wear a lab coat. Um, but uh, I would say for the vast amount of things that they're doing, um, a lot of it is chemistry based. You're going to want to wear a lab coat to protect yourself and to protect the very expensive clothing that people are wearing. Um, so I think this was a very weird um, lab coat scenario that they had. I believe this was in season five. Um, I think Eliza, Dr. Danvers, the the senior, she is wearing a pretty traditional lab coat. She looks very academic. She's got the like the sleeves pushed up. This feels very um, authentic to my experience in in labs. Lena looks like she's stepped out of like some sort of like science yoga retreat. So um, I I really um, am curious: is this some sort of special material, or is this just a lab coat that I've never seen? Um, so I would say like. I don't know what the, the quality of this material is. These are both the cleanest lab coats I've ever seen in my entire life. So like, either way, I'm impressed. Um, and I just wanted to give a moment to Lena's other like really exceptional um, coat environment, which is, um, you know, she, she has these incredible winter coats, which absolutely would not be allowed in the lab. Um, but I would love to see her walking through like a, uh, an academic building um, in a basement, just emerging through the hallways in, in these these um, really um, incredible coat moments. So not appropriate for the lab, but very much so encouraged outside of the lab. Um, so again, I think this is a, a moment where Lena at least appears to be like really on top of her game. I think this is season three as well. This appears to be the, the rain containment uh, module behind her. She's got on glasses, which you rarely see people wearing um, the, the safety glasses in, in labs, but they had her doing this. And she's got on some gloves. It looks like these are more for thermal resistant scenarios. Um, and I believe this is Heronel, which we'll get to in a moment. But it appears like at least for the moment, um, she's modeling some good behavior. 
And I just want to give a shout out to the CW who just did a really nice mask campaign. Um, I think more than ever, PPE, the personal protective equipment, has been at the forefront of um, people's minds. And these are things that we constantly wear in the lab and obviously are now. Um, so they all get they all get green check marks on this one. This is all modeling good behavior. So um, and, and the tagline on this is real her heroes wear masks. So loving, loving this um, PPE campaign. So just going a little bit more into the hair and L, one of the things um, that's that's very much so tied to, to the PPE and the clothes that you're wearing in the lab is you need to be very careful when you're using especially dangerous or if you're using an unknown chemical or an unknown element, which they tend to be doing a lot of in, um, you know, in, in Supergirl, they're often working with elements that are not known to our periodic um, table. Here we've got the hair and L, and I'm trying to remember, I think this is a scenario um, where Rain is like destroying the lab and Lena is just supposed to be <laughs> like doing science while things are flying around her. So she takes the hair and L and she like smashes it with a hammer and like heats it up. And then she, you know, liquefies it into this open beaker. I think this is also supposed to be just like a bunch of liquid mercury, just like chilling out. Um, just, I, I guess it's just like, that's a lot of mercury. Um, but I'm very concerned for Lena because like, we don't know anything about it. She's crushed it. It's, it's aerosolized. She's bringing it, breathing it in. Um, I, I think we really need to introduce the concept of biosafety cabinets to the Supergirl staff. These are um, maybe more commonly called hoods. Um, they basically have ventilation, which prevents you from breathing in any toxic chemicals or unknown chemicals. They have this hood that, that comes down. You work inside of it. Um, it helps alleviate these problems, these noxious fumes that you could be breathing in. Or I think this is a scenario where maybe Lena should really think about, um, you know, going into a, a BSL uh, three or four suit, some of these uh, pr protective suits um, with their their own supplied ventilation. Um, yeah, I, I think as smart as Lena is, just create a robot or some sort of scenario where you don't even have to interact with the chemicals. Like, that's what I want for her. Um, she really does not seem, <laughs> she does not seem to be concerned about her welfare. And so I think we all have to be um, concerned for her welfare um, to, to maybe like, you know, make sure she's working in controlled environments with some of these chemicals. So um, uh, another major aspect of, of, you know, just general clothing that I think constantly gets violated um, in these shows is the idea that you're supposed to wear closed toed shoes, things that are easy to move in, um, not only for, for safety, but, you know, just for general, like comfort purposes. Um, and, and for two people, you know, I've got Cara here. She's, she's not necessarily a scientist, but she's often in the lab. Um, they're constantly under attack and fleeing from things. And I think just like give them better shoes. And this, this photo, um, cracks me up when they released the, the set photos for this particular episode because um, clearly this is in between takes as they're running through things. And um, Katie McGrath was like, I'm not wearing heels. That's too long of a day. Um, it, it appears to be the same scenario over here. Um, these seem better for the lab. <laughs> and also like, for me, I live in Iowa. It gets cold here. I walk to work. Parking on academic campuses is horrible. So like heels are, are not, not a viable 
um, uh, not a viable option really, and would really aid in their survival. Um, so I might come back to this at the end, but I think just a quick threat assessment, if I was a, a safety officer that went through the lab, they tend to um, identify people who, you know, maybe pose a risk, they're observing you do your science. They try to give you suggestions if it's an internal audit so that you don't get fined by an external organization like the EPA. Um, so I think if I had to pick people to be in my lab, I definitely want um, Dr. Eliza Danvers. She seems chill. Um, I feel like she would be really concerned about everybody's safety and would do everything she's supposed to. I feel like her biggest risk would be like bringing food into the lab because she made cookies. And that's like a fairly minor violation that I feel like could be corrected. I think Alex is like equally um, concerned with safety and careful. However, she's constantly getting shot at. So I don't want um, like her in my space where there's like alien and explosive elements all around me. Um, I think Wynn's biggest um, potential violation is Ty like catching on fire. Um, Kelly, I still am trying to figure out exactly what Kelly does. So I'm reserving judgment on her. But I do want to say I love her academic blazers. I have a huge thing for blazers. It's sort of um, a legacy in our lab that I help people pick out blazers um, for their first presentations. So, um, you know, I, I, I do love uh, Kelly's look. It feels personal to me. Um, I guess just the, the sort of on the, the evil end, I mean, at least Lillian Luther wears this nice uh, apron when she's working with toxic things and forcibly giving people medical treatments. Um, she definitely doesn't have a license, so she's not supposed to be in a sanctioned lab. Um, Eve is a wild card, like always. I don't know what brand of personality she has that day, so I'd say I don't want her in the lab. Um, I think all the brainies seem to be pretty, uh, pretty safe. Um, their clothing looks safe. Um, I want a brainy to help me assess odds before I do experiments, frankly. That would be really great. Um, Lena is wild, especially in season three. I think we get the, the two spectrums of, of Lena's lab attire personalities. We get very appropriate outfits, like the button down she wears um, when she's doing her very suspect clinical trial with Adam. Um, that seems very like authentic to the, the clinical professional attire that you would see at her medical school. Season three is also some of her worst, but best offenses um, where she's like going to her galas and she's a catco with her off the shoulder. It's just all kinds of, all kinds of um, exposed skin. So I think she does tend to um, actually, you know, have, uh, have pretty good attire when she is in the lab. Um, so we'll, we'll pretend and give her a little bit of credit on that. Nicole, can I butt in and just ask a question from the chat? Uh, Leslie, since you, since you mentioned uh, Lena's experiments on Adam, uh, Leslie wants to know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, in terms of the science ethics, I guess, of the experiments, uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so uh, I, I'll say I don't work with human subjects, um, but I do occasionally have to take uh, ethics courses. So we are required usually yearly or every two years to take ethics courses. There are very strict protocols they do mention, I think, in the episode of Jack Sphere, um, Kara asks a question about crossing state lines and sort of the, the ethics of doing trials in one place and then um, launching the product in another. And I think he mentions the, F mentions the FDA. So these regulatory entities would exist. Um, and so Lena would be beholden 
to all of the the human trial regulations that exist. I think a human trial of one person is not a real clinical trial. Um, I don't know. There, there might be some interesting legal crossover there, actually, because there was some compensation at the end. So I assume um, there was a lot of con- contracts and things signed, um, but I'm not sure. Um, it seems suspect to me, I guess is what I'll say. I want to trust Lena and, and what happened, but I, I, that I think made everybody a little a little bit com- uncomfortable. And I don't see that trial getting approved. Um, at least in academic campuses, we have this thing called an IRB, which is an institutional review board. So it's a committee of of many many people from different aspects of ethical um, perspectives, people with clinical experience, and then you know uh, expert scientists, and they decide whether or not you're allowed to do these trials. And people um, who do human and animal trials are, are are going to be asked to think about the three R's, this idea of like, what is it? It's like reduce, um, replace, and refine. So this idea of can you do the experiment without doing it on humans? How many do you truly need to get a result and trust a result? And then within a trial, can you refine any sort of like negative side effects to your subject? And I would say Adam definitely didn't get the refinement treatment. Like he, he, he got a, a full dose of Paranel. So yeah, I, I don't think that that trial would have happened in reality, at least I hope not. Unless she paid him off because let's be real, Lena Luther, if she wanted to be, is rich enough to just keep paying fines um, and do as she pleases. Cause let's be real. Um, but I like to think that Lena is good and she would not do that. Lex hundred percent would. So I think all the, the trials on humans in season five, were, were highly suspect and I would not trust um, the paperwork and the, the regulations that they were given on that one. Um, oh, so this is, <laughs> this is something funny that I did. I love like a, a niche personal, personal joke. Um, and so the context behind this is that almost none of my friends actually watch Supergirl and I, I constantly try to get them to. Um, so my lab mates here, would have to endure me basically Monday through Thursday until the Supergirl radio episode came out in season five. Um, just talking about at, at least the the outfits in that week's episode, but probably the content because like, let's be real season five was uh, an emotional roller coaster. So I started as a joke um, and, and as a, as a bit of a casual experiment to see, you know, what could I actually get away with wearing of Lena's in the lab and still like be safe and comfortable um, and, and I had a real opportunity come up when I was added to our university's research council. So I had an opportunity to be in a boardroom, uh, every now and then. So, um, this is, this is the results of a, a casual experiment that nobody really asked for. Um, but everybody got Snapchats of constantly. Um, so I was playing boardroom or, or ballroom as a, as a joke this past year and COVID has really like put a damper on it. Um, but it turns out I own a lot of clothing and a lot of, I love a reason to wear a suit. So I was able to, um, to transition to some of these in the lab. Um, and I think I, I joked on Twitter about, you know, how do you transition effectively from an evening, a quick experiment in the lab to like a, an event afterwards. And I feel like suit is the answer. I'm pretty sure actually after this, which was not actually worn in the show, it was worn in an interview. Um, but I'm pretty sure I had to stop by the lab and do a quick experiment, just like a, a quick changing of stains and some washing of stains off some dissections. And I, I'm thinking I went straight to like a, a trivia event right after this. So 
it can be done. Don't let people tell you you can't dress nice in the lab. Um, and uh, we, we saw this moment earlier in the night, the, the courtroom scene. I had a similar shirt. Um, I love doing these side by sides and sending these to people. Um, and I was not dissuaded by COVID. Like I was not going to let this joke die. Um, so I did this over Zoom. And I also have managed to capture some of the more um, casual moments for Lena. I love like, actually, I think, yeah, end of season five, we got to see Lena in some casual wear in her underground lab. So um, I, I think that that felt real to me that, that Lena would be like, hanging out doing long hours in the lab in, in like some jeans, because that's, that's my, my speed for sure. And so, um, you know, if I had my own version of boardroom or ballroom, because I rarely go to a boardroom and I don't often have a, a chance to go to a ballroom anymore. Um, I'm pretty sure my, my like uh, life would be bench top or bar stool mostly, but now we can't really do that. I can't brood in, in pubs and do work anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm having this like very like bookstore vibe going on the last few months as I, as I go back and forth uh, between the lab. So, uh, you know, just going off that, I, I think there's a lot of conversation around Kara of, you know, how did she hide her secret identity? And I got curious one day and I tried to decide, like tried to look up, like, is there any science behind this idea that the glasses actually obscure your identity? Um, because in fact, from 2015, 2018, I cut all my hair off and I put on glasses and I feel like people don't recognize me. And I think it's really funny. And it turns out if people aren't that familiar with you, this is an actual thing. Um, you can go look this up. And, uh, uh, it turns out that people really can't tell the difference very easily when you put on glasses, it changes sort of the symmetry and the shape of your face. So um, I'm ready for my mutagenesis event to happen in the lab and for me to get superpowers. I'm really hoping for teleportation. So just looking at set design and some elements of that, um, I think the thing that bothers me the most potentially about the, the labs um, that, that you see in Supergirl is just the vast empty, like I've never seen a lab that looks like this. We're all crammed in. There's usually like bay after bay after bay of labs. There's stuff everywhere. And by stuff, I mean glassware. I mean plasticware. Um, if anybody is doing a rewatch, please tell me if you've ever seen a sink in any of these scenes. Because I feel like all we do um, is, is actually like we're washing things. We're changing things out. We're pulling um, you know, glassware out to do different experiments with, you don't see any of that here. Like this floor space is coveted. Nobody would not be using that. Um, so that, that feels very unrealistic to me. Um, something that I do think feels realistic is how like dark and devoid of natural light, um, these labs are. Um, I think I work in a basement. Uh, we write, we don't very often have external windows. Um, so this is, this is something that feels real. Um, this moment cracked me up, actually, because this is a really serious moment between Lena and Alex, and they're in this lab, and they're, like, screaming at each other, and there's all that tension, like, as crisis is happening. And all I could focus on um, were these pipettes here, because these are electronic pipettes for distributing liquid, and they're, like, $1,000 a piece. So um, I think that 
proper set design, especially for somebody who's familiar with the lab, you pick up on these things. Um, but it can also take you out of the moment. So I think, you know, having having science consultants and having a realistic set design, it can be important for the for the narrative um, for, for the viewers, especially you're familiar with that. Um, nobody probably thinks about this, but I was really curious where Lena Luther shops for her science supplies. And I found this screenshot and, uh, it turns out she has some like specific Luther core, um, you know, special plasticware made. And I think on the microscope image, um, much earlier, she had the, the branded, uh, microscope. She probably makes her own microscopes, honestly. Um, most of us in science shop at Fisher Scientific, which is better known as the Walmart of science. So um, all our glassware looks uh, pretty similar. And uh, if you guys are familiar and you're looking at these screenshots of labs, something that you'll notice is that um, there's a lot of colorful liquids always in the background. This is not reality. You can see here, you've just got colorful. We never have these like molecule things sitting out on our lab benches either. Um, or these rocks in like a, I mean, maybe these are alien minerals, so maybe that one's fine. Um, but just to give you an idea, I took a picture of my bench. Um, we have a couple like very condensed um, dark liquids here, but but not a lot of um, not a lot of colorful liquids. That's something consistently that you see in shows that is not realistic. Something that I want from the Supergirl Labs. Um, I hate writing in my lab notebook. I would love to have an AI that just records my thoughts. Um, so I'm, I'm advocating for Hope to come into my lab. I don't care if she goes rogue. Um, I, I need her in 2020. I want her back. Um, something that I was trying to look into a little bit, you know, what happens to the science equipment? You know, how do they get it? What happens to it when it's over? Um, and I couldn't find anything specific for Supergirl. I tried to do a little bit of looking at um, movie locations. Um, my guess is because of the nature of these sets, this is done in some sort of convention center or warehouse or on some sort of soundstage. Um, so they're bringing in all the equipment. So usually it's borrowed or there's some kind of like quid pro quo between a company where, you know, you use our product, you give us um, marketing. Um, as I said, I, I want to know what this microscope is. Um, this is also a, a form of compensation that I think sometimes happens for consulting is that they, will donate the equipment then to the lab of the consultant afterwards. So they're looking to offload any equipment. Um, I feel like shipping from Vancouver would be terrible, but I know some people there um, if they're looking to offload some equipment. Um, same idea, you know, I, I couldn't find, if anybody can find information about if Supergirl has a science consultant and if they're looking for one, um, I would be happy to uh, consult. And it turns out, if anybody else on here is a scientist, um, there's actually an organization that was pretty recently formed um, called the Science and Entertainment Exchange. And their purpose is to um, make these connections between um, entertainment people and, and then scientists that have a specialty and can help them um, answer the questions they want, whether that's content specific information or if it's just simply like, how do you pronounce this word? And, you know, should I have blue liquids on my bench top? The answer is no. Um, I'm just going to quickly like do a character narrative. Um, this is something that I'd like to follow up on. But one thing that really takes me out of a show is um, 
like the, just the, the backstories that don't really fit our training that we get as PhDs. Um, Alex in particular, I love, I think she's brilliant. Um, she's my age, by the way, she's supposedly born in 1989. I'm 31. She has a bachelor's degree and she started a bachelor's degree at the same time as I did. Um, in, in 2008, um, she has an MD PhD. So she not only finished her clinical training and her PhD, she had a quarter life crisis, um, got picked up by John, worked at the DEO, became the director of the DEO and watched the DEO fail. Um, and just to give you an idea of a timeline, this is for an MD PhD at Yale. So pretty, pretty uh, top notch people, I would say, going there. I couldn't find a good diagram for Stanford, but it's a similar, similar um, timeline. It's usually seven or eight years, basically, to do an MD PhD. Um, so my conclusion is that the only way this would work, and I was tweeting at DC about this earlier this week, um, that like. One, you don't really need multiple doctorates unless you're trying to get a clinical and a research-based doctorate. Um, but I'm convinced that Alex has just had to alter the timeline or the timeline has been altered around her for her backstory to make sense. That's my headcanon. That's what I'm sticking with. Um, I also think about this on occasion, especially in Lena's case, we don't really know if she has a doctorate or not. Um, I think no. I think she's just brilliant and went and started doing science and she owns a company, so why would you need it? Um, but she's frequently called Miss Luther. So either people are not giving her her proper title or um, she doesn't, in fact, have a doctorate. And that's fine. You don't have to have a doctorate to be a scientist. Um, and this is, is something that's important with the context of the field, because it turns out there's a, a gender bias in how people are referred to and then regarded as, as experts. Um, on, on our publications, women struggle to get um, notoriety and citation on their on their research. Um, and in terms of how they're like regarded within the community and how people speak to them, sort of, um, you know, this, this decorum um, is relaxed for women. And uh, that leads to this sort of leaky pipeline effect or sort of a loss of women as you move up the ranks into um, especially like academic tenured faculty. So the reason I think all this really matters about accuracy and, you know, how people dress all these perceptions are, um, really an opportunity for media to think about, you know, their role in, in moving STEM forward and being more diverse. We know the CW's um, slogan. I think this is their 2018 brand because it was the nicest one I could find. Their slogan is Dare to Defy. They've got a lot of statements about representation and diversity mattering. We're having similar, com uh, you know, conversations in science. And if this is something that you guys are interested in, I encourage you to go to the Gina Davis Institute on gender and media. They're doing some really interesting studies on um, this intersection of especially like women and race and gender um, in, in media and how that influences the perception of who goes into STEM related fields. Um, and in, in particular, they, they talk about this Scully effect, sort of this role that seeing a female has had on people, mostly of my generation, um, in terms of them going into a STEM based career. So I think um, in season six, um, I think I pitched this in the call-in show. Um, I, I really think there's an opportunity. We have all these incredibly like diverse and female scientists. Let's bring Eliza in there. Um, I want to see Kara maybe get back to her roots, thinking about all the experience she had on Krypton, um, you know, with her legacy of being a scientist. I want to see them team up and do like a super version of the Kaznia investigation, but more science-based. 
I think we need it. And I think it's a real opportunity for the show to showcase some of the talents of um, the characters that they have. So I'll just say thank you um, to everybody who, who is here. Um, thank you for having ballroom or boardroom. It brings me great joy. Um, you guys did it first. Um, you brought the important questions about Lena's um, lab outfits. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I'm on both at Drosophila Sai. Drosophila is the name of the fruit flies that I study. So that's why my name sounds weird. And that's how you say it. Um, and also because you can't hide as an academic scientist. So if you're curious what I do, um, here's my email and my lab website. <laughs> Nicole, that was amazing. Uh, wow. <laughs> we, we, we couldn't get to all the questions while you were going. I'm going to try to see if I can find uh, where we, because we did have some comments of, about the labs and the sinks. Uh, so there's. Uh, yeah. I saw one fly by um, and you're right. I meant to mention this about like eye washes and safety showers. Those yeah. That's in every lab. Where are they? That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what Lena's going to do if she gets acid on her, on her skin. It's not going to be to wash it off right away. And that's the same. So, Especially um, since there's so much clavicle usually. It's I mean, we're talking a big like, target. Cool. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to need, like, you're not going to be able to rinse that off. That's a shower scenario. <laughs> yeah. Um, and every, everybody really loved uh, your boardroom or ballroom experiment that you did uh, in your, in your personal time. So um, we really I, appreciate yeah. that. I clearly like enjoyed it far too much. <laughs> <laughs> this well, is amazing. <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, we're probably going to have to to wrap you up here uh, just because uh, we need to get going. But uh, we'll probably pull you in again if there's any uh, sciencey related things that you're like, hold up. That's not a thing. Well, I feel uh, like we have a science consultant now. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed for good science in season two. <laughs> Always let crossed. Us, Let's bring let back us, hope. <laughs> yes, let us know if there isn't good science, though. We need to know. Yeah, All right. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Nicole Green. And uh, we will uh, be in touch later. And definitely hop in the uh, chat and respond to yeah. some of those comments because uh, people really enjoyed your presentation. Uh, Paula here mentions that um, the props department is actually on Twitter. I think she said they're on oh social God, media. Oh my gosh, Paula, I'm going to do it. Paula, drop, drop that info into the yeah. chat. Right, drop <laughs> that link in there. Let's get Nicole some, some lab equipment. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we, we will say goodbye to Nicole and uh, Morgan. I, I feel like our segment that we were going to do, like a little wrap up segment, is going to be kind of a letdown after all these. It definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> these fantastic segments that uh, everybody, Lynn and Nikki, and then uh, Donna, and uh, it's a twin thing, and Danvers team, and Leslie, the Super Radio legal consultant, and Dr. Nicole Green. I mean, everybody did such a great job. Uh, so I feel like our problem is that that we didn't come in with a PowerPoint. Yeah, we we probably should have. We, <laughs> we have no PowerPoint. Uh, it's I'm just, sorry, guys. <laughs> it's just going to be us. Hope I hope that's okay. Uh, but we do have a a, a little uh, video that we can play because uh, we have some news. The news. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, Melissa Benoist is nominated for the inaugural Critics' Choice Super Awards, uh -huh. which, I which I feel like could have a stronger 
name. Okay. <laughs> um, but there's a new award called the Critics' Choice Super Awards, and Melissa is nominated in the category of Best Actress in a Superhero Series. And John Cryer is also nominated in the category of Best Actor in a Superhero Series. The okay. actor's show uh, focused on superhero, science fiction, fantasy, horror, action, and animation. Uh, that is launching at a time when most of the high-profile movies have been pushed into 2021 or beyond. The awards promise to honor the movies and television shows that power most of the current entertainment industry, the one that fall into the superhero, science fiction, fantasy, horror, action, and animation space. Um, I love that there are so many superhero shows now that they're like, we'll just give them their own award show. <laughs> <laughs> they have to. There's so many. We talk about that all the time about how I like that jobs. they're like not willing to um to nominate them for like other awards. They're like, let's just give them their own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of these performances actually, I think, would qualify for an actual Emmy. I mean, I this isn't Supergirl related, but I just finished watching season two of uh, Doom Patrol and the actress who plays Rita Farr. I can't speak more highly of her. Uh, she is fantastic, and she should be in one of those categories, like a, a genuine Emmy category. Um, and I, there are some times where maybe some of the stuff that maybe even John Cryer's done on Supergirl um, would qualify as well. Um, and Melissa is, has done such a good job as Kara. So I don't know why they can't be nominated for an actual, you know, television know. award. I know. I could I could see a lot of cast members getting like an actual Emmy. <laughs> Yeah, but so, that's okay. I want. I, I kind of want this the statue that they get to be like a little Supergirl flying in the air, but <laughs> in it, like in gold. <laughs> it almost has to be. It has right. to be like a cape. I mean, it's the Super Award. There has to uh, be a cape of some kind, or else I'd be. I'd be like, I'm giving this back. <laughs> I don't want it unless there's a cape. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just, my problem with these new awards is that it's. The name is, I mean, in, I like that it's the Super Awards, but I don't know. You could you could dress that a, up a little bit. The Critics' Choice Super Awards feels like they didn't really try hard. <laughs> with, to, to, to make I mean, is, is there not a pun that they could have worked in somewhere? <laughs> there's there's maybe a little that stronger adjective. It was uh, lazy. That's, that's what I'm saying. They were like, what do we call them? And somebody was like, we could just call them what they are. And I feel like something <laughs> in that room should have been like, no. Joshua, it's a pun <laughs> or nothing. It's like in uh, the scene from uh, the Muppet Sing Manhattan, which is one of my favorite movies, where it's Kermit Kermit has amnesia and he goes and joins a marketing firm as as Phil the Kermit uh, the the frog, and uh, and they're trying to come up with slogans for this soap, and and amnesiac Kermit says, "Soap, it gets you clean like this." <laughs> That's how he sells it. Uh, so, uh, so sometimes you don't really have to, you know, uh, reinvent the wheel. Just uh, go, go with what works, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's very true. Okay. Um, so we also have an email from Jay who writes, I'm writing an email because I thought of a cool idea for continuing the Arrowverse. Jay out here pitching ideas. Okay. A while ago when they were still undecided on Green Arrow and the Canaries. Wait, have they made a decision on that? Uh, I think the <laughs> no decision feels like a decision. <laughs> I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to see that writing on that wall. But yeah. Uh, why 
why wouldn't you first on. be mad? I don't what understand. I'm, <laughs> I'm so mad about it. Oh, okay. Back to this email. <laughs> um, Jay says, I thought it would be cool if they also did a show centered on Nora West Allen, a.k.a. What is that? XS? Is that how you pronounce it? Or is, or is uh, she like X? Uh, sorry, you, I, t- I took you, you out of the t- screen. I was trying to switch. Oh, no. Um, uh, it's excess. <laughs> it's excess. It's excess, really? That's- it is. <laughs> okay. You can tell I'm behind in the in the flash because that sounds like the name of like um like a 90s, like, I don't know, like a 90s girl group, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it kind of does. It's us, excess. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm, I'm going to get like a lot of people who, who love Nora who are really mad at me because I'm like five seasons behind. <laughs> I'm sure she's great. <laughs> okay. Uh she, uh, Jay says, I thought it would be cool if they did a show centered on Nora uh, West Allen, a.k.a. XS. I was thinking that in the last season of Supergirl, they could have Kara and Monel get back together and eventually have a kid. In parentheses, I do not like Monel, but he works best for this because he is a Daxamite. End parentheses. <laughs> I like that in the middle of this pitch, they're like, I actually don't like them together romantically but i'm trying to make it work Uh, (laughs) so jay says and then that kid could have a series in the future along with mia oliver queen and felicity smoke's daughter and nora i hope you like this idea see what i did there because hope was all in caps and i did like that idea (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah I, I i would hope that you would uh understand the meaning behind that uh yeah so we have some people in the chat saying that uh and i i kind of remember this i'm behind on the flash uh, too but Nora is currently erased from existence but, uh, but what about her girl <laughs> i'm really concerned about excess so, so what are your thoughts on that? Let's say, let's say, uh, excess was still around. Maybe, maybe after post crisis, she's, she's uh, a thing in the future. Um, so what would you, would you be into that? Would you want to see like the, the, the future, gen- like Arrowverse, the next generation, <laughs> the next generation, you know what? I did love me some Degrassi, the next generation. And then I think that maybe a cast member at some point then goes on to be a successful rapper. So am I, if I say no, am I taking the next Drake away from us? I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool. I, I would I would watch it. Um, I, I like the idea of also, this is how you could get Green Arrow and the Canaries. Just set that set everybody in that world. Yeah. And then you have like the Canaries sort of being like the mama bears taking care of everybody. And uh, I mean, this seems like a, a show that writes itself, I think. I would watch this show. Yeah, it's like um, I just got done watching a lot of Saved by the Bell, like the new generation of Saved by the Bell. So I can't cast aspersions on like, what if we followed their kids? Like, clearly, I will watch it and enjoy it. So, yeah, I would watch like Supergirl, then Super Friends, the next generation. But like Supergirl and Monel have a kid, but it turns out that their kid is kind of a jerk because everyone's opposites. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what would uh, Cara and Monel's child be like? I don't. I could not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my only critique of this idea, Jay, is that uh, I was very upset with Monel at the end of I think it was season three when he he hit on Cara while he was married, and then there was some murky stuff going on with 
the relationship I thought between Monel and Emra. I don't think they made that very clear on whether or not they were still together. Did they get a, you know, uh, United Planets divorce? I, 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 think, I think they got a space divorce. That's the that's did, the impression I got. They, or they decided to space see other people. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think she I think that they had both agreed that he wasn't good enough for her. I think he was like, listen, I'm not good enough for you. And she's like, no, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just kind of shook on it and like went separate directions. I don't know. I was also a little murky on that, too. <laughs> well, and Danae makes a good point. Uh, technically, there was a, a I guess a sort of a fetus of Monel and Lena on the Daxamite ship. Do you remember that at the end of season two? We, we joked about the hair air. I about forgot how- about that. Oh my god, season six. <laughs> <laughs> the hair air comes back. You know who it is? Do you know who it is, Rebecca? It's Nasty Luther. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I got the worst of both parents, <laughs> and now I'm mad. <laughs> That would be awesome. And now I mean, I'm going to be disappointed. It's a perfect <laughs> setup now. I forgot about this entirely. And now I'm overly invested. <laughs> I mean, they could use the callback. It's part, of can- <laughs> it's part of the canon of the show. Well, I mean, that was pre-crisis. But you could still maintain that it was still there. Okay, still ha- so- it could have still happened. So Leslie says Monel and Emra got a space divorce. So That makes sense. <laughs> so Monel and Cara getting back together is uh, a, pint- a potential. But then we also have... William in the way. Who do you think got the Legion in the divorce? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. They would probably both. Because that's going to be awkward otherwise. Well, I guess the the Legionnaires always kind of date each other. So I guess that wouldn't. uh... They're used to it. They're used to it. They're like, "Eh, this is just another day. Yeah. So, um, so that's a, a really interesting question. Um, I, I, I do wonder if they'll try to take some elements of Supergirl. I don't know if they'll spin it off because they already have Superman and Lois. So I guess you already have that. Um, but that is a good question. Thank you for writing in Jay and sharing your thoughts and for listening to Supergirl radio. Um, are there any other comments that we need to get to? Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah, if you have a if you comment or a question for us while we wrap up here, uh, leave them in the chat and we will talk about them. Yeah, and definitely make sure uh, you're you're going to uh, donate if you haven't already. I guess we could um, do a check on the uh, tally as of right now. I feel like we should not go until there's a thousand dollars. I know, and we're so close. It's we're I think we are eight forty-five. Yeah, come on, guys, let's we're do so, it. We're <laughs> so close to nine hundred. So if if y'all want to share that link around, and we will try uh, to see what we can uh, raise. Okay, let's see. Uh, Bryn asks, what are your thoughts on watching all the series in order first? Are you like me and want to watch one series and and then go back and put them in order? Hmm. Like all the the different shows as they happen? Oh, yeah. I think that's that's probably, I guess, within the Arrowverse. You know, um, a friend of the podcast, John M. Wilson, I think, did that, where he went back and and was re-watching, like, he started with Arrow, and then he worked his way up. That's that's a tough task. That I think you almost have to do it if you want to understand what's happening in the crossovers, but you could probably just, I don't know. It's kind of tough, because... I remember that duet crossover and you would be so confused 
if you um if you hadn't watched Supergirl, I think. Yeah. I, I remember us having issues with the way they handled it from the Supergirl TV series and the crossover. So <laughs> I don't know if you really want to understand it, you almost have to watch all of them. I feel like you kind of, yeah. I mean, again, clearly I'm not up to date on the flash as I did not know about Nora. <laughs> Uh, or how to pronounce her superhero name. So sorry. But uh, it, it's funny. I was on um, uh, Gay Gals wa- the podcast Gay Gals Watch, and we were watching the first part of the first crossover, like the full crossover, which was the Supergirl episode Medusa. And it's hilarious because you're watching it and you're like, there's no crossover here. And then like the last 30 seconds and they're like, jump through the portal and they're like, Supergirl, we need your help. Boom fade to black (laughs) so uh i mean in that case there were some scenarios in which you didn't have to be super up to date on uh uh, that first season you did not need to be up to date on supergirl because she technically wasn't really in that crossover yeah and i don't know that i want want to subject parts of arrow on anybody um uh although the 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 first couple of seasons are, are okay um, and I, I stopped watching after they did Laurel Lance so dirty. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I think it depends on how invested you want to be in it. I think if you just like Supergirl, you can watch Supergirl and watch the the crossover episode she's in. And that's probably it. So Kenny wants to know, do you think we will see the Fatal Five in season six as baddies? Kenny, I Ooh. wish we <laughs> could get, would get them. Now, you already know about one of the Fatal Five because we read okay. her in Rebirth. Do you remember the Emerald Empress? She had the eye. Oh, that yeah. We followed her around. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I she, loved the eye. <laughs> friend of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Never say friend of the pod again. Never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so hipster doofus. It really does. Um, <laughs> but, but only oh, I, I, you can only say it when referring to giant floating eyeballs. Then it's fine. <laughs> okay, only reserved for that's, Emerald. That's fine in their culture. The floating eyeball culture. <laughs> Friend <laughs> in the pod. The floating eyeball. Yeah. So th- she is part of the Fatal Five, and the Fatal Five is uh, a group that's it's like an evil villain team, and they're usually associated with the Legion of Superheroes. So I would love to see uh, them take. Take on the eye and Emerald Empress. She's had a lot of interactions with Supergirl, and it, that would mean that the Legion would come back, or maybe we would go to the future. I would love that. Uh, having said that, that would uh, depend on the writers having some sort of knowledge of source material or uh, wanting to explore those things. Mm. So that's <laughs> and maybe 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 budget uh, budgetary reasons. I mean, too. that floating eye is not cheap. I'm sure. No. Like I- I'm saying. The floating eye is not cheap. I'm serious. Like, I, he does not get out of bed for, <laughs> uh, unless he has like the full trailer, all the snacks. You don't even know what kind of snacks that floating eyeball wants. His rider is ridiculous. That's, I mean, <laughs> they, they him. I don't think they can afford him. He's in there redecorating his trailer and not letting anybody in unless they, you know, <laughs> have a reservation first. They're, yeah, they're, they're like. He's a nightmare to work with, but he does such phenomenal work. <laughs> He's like, he just, way he just blinked presence. at her. <laughs> I cried. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I hope we do get to see something like that. And and we don't. We have no idea really what they're doing. Um, the only thing I can tell is that they're shooting a lot of episodes, possibly without Melissa Benoist. Do you get that vibe? That uh, it does seem that way. I have not yet seen Melissa Benoist show up in anything. 
which seems weird. It concerns me a little bit. I understood it back in season four when she had been on Broadway and they were kind of shooting around her so that she would come back for how, one, one how, basically for a couple how of episodes. How many episodes is Supergirl going to be in a DJ helmet this season, do you think? It it kind of concerns me and I'm, I'm going to be open-minded about it. But my whole thing was like, season six better be like Kara heavy. <laughs> all Kara <laughs> all the time. And the fact that they're able to shoot so much without her is concerning. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, so, it does make me question some things. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a question with Painkiller, Wonder Girl, and Stargirl on the way. Do y'all think we're getting even closer to a CW's version of Teen Titans slash Young Justice, especially with John Kent also on the way? I think that would be pretty cool. I think, uh, hmm, I don't know if they would be able to all cross it. Because I think Wonder Girl is going to be on the CW yeah, I think so. I, it seems like it. Yeah. Stargirl is now like an HBO Max original. I don't know much about Painkiller. Is it Painkiller or The Peacemaker? Because I know that's happening. Don't. Oh, my God. They're both happening? I don't know uh, either of these people. <laughs> I don't know much about Painkiller. You'll have to let me know in the chat what that is. I know there's a Peacemaker spinoff series from The Suicide Squad that's coming out. <laughs> there's a character in that movie that they're going to make a TV series about. Um but yeah, I, I I don't know. It depends on if they're all able to cross over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd be, I would watch it. Um, so Leslie says Melissa isn't going to Vancouver until January. So she's on maternity, I guess, still. That makes sense that she would still be on maternity. But that's several months. Do you I'm think that they're just like shooting, the character. shooting all the scenes and then, like, she comes in, and then it's like, congratulations, you're working an 85-hour week. Like, <laughs> she has to shoot all of her scenes now without any break. It's, I don't, yeah. Well, the reason that makes me concerned is that typically Supergirl should be in most of the scenes. Rebecca, I figured it out. We're finally getting that day in the life of Pam from HR. <gasps> the, the, I can make the it is gone, and she's got to find her own way. Pam's making her own way now. <laughs> it's a fresh start, a new chapter for it's Pam. It's a fresh start for Pam. That's going to be the season premiere. It's going to be called A Fresh Start for Pam. <laughs> People are going to be so confused. It's going to involve none of the cast. <laughs> That is the only way I would accept this. But yeah, it does concern me that they're shooting for like three months without the lead of this of the show. Uh, okay, Strange so, so so we did get some uh, clarification. Uh, Painkiller, pain uh, I guess. You can is, tell I'm also behind on that one. Yeah, I haven't been watching Black Lightning, so I don't know. And then uh, Peacemaker is HBO Max. Painkiller is a Black Lightning spinoff. Okay, so that makes more sense. Yeah, because Black Lightning is going to be ending this season as yeah. well. Uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this um, earlier, but I sus I wonder if this uh, like Supergirl ending now and Black Lightning ending, but they're still making five hundred more superhero shows, <laughs> is um is like a a shot at corporate synergy so that they can then put everything on HBO Max because I think that the uh, current superhero CW shows are under a deal with Netflix. 
They are. And that, as far as I understand, because I used to work in the world of electronic sales through. Because I feel like it's like the same thing that happened with the Marvel shows and Netflix, where once Disney Plus came around, they were like, oh, never mind. And just kind of tossed them off. They were like, goodbye, canceled, canceled, canceled. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I think that's a really good point because it depends on when that runs out for Netflix Netflix and and they've they've had that deal for a long time. They have, and, yeah. And the CW shows are still on Netflix. Um so that's a that's a very good point. <laughs> um Danny said that Pam will be like Mary <laughs> Tyler Moore and throw her hat up in the air. <laughs> Freeze frame. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I want to see in season six. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> diving into the meaty storyline. <laughs> maybe Pam just went through a breakup. Will she find love again? <laughs> yeah, I want to know what, what uh, Pam's new life is uh, going to be comprised of. All right. Well, um, I guess since we have run a little bit late, I guess we'll take if there's any more questions, we'll take a few more. Um, but we'll we'll have to start uh, closing it down. Uh, let's see. OK, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Um, so Kenny uh, asks, would you be open to Superman dropping by and having a cameo in the final episode of the series Supergirl? I would. I would have I would have no problem with a cameo. I think that would be fitting to bring some of the. The, the 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 old characters back yeah i think that that would uh i think that'd be fine just as long as he's like you know not there for a huge amount of time because then it would kind of feel like okay we know you have your own show go fly off to that one this is supergirl uh but i mean he's he's popped by the show from time to time before i don't feel like he's usually a huge distraction so and he's a big part of Kara's character and and what she's gone through. So I, th- I think it would be fitting for him to show up. I'm just still a little bit bitter. And I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but Superman and Lois has Lesla Lar on there. And I'm so mad about it. Did we How talk about this? How dare they? How <laughs> dare they? <laughs> what are they going to have next? Bottle City of Candor? <laughs> Director Bones? Director, uh, if they have Director Bones, Rebecca... We riot. We, we go down to Vancouver and we riot. <laughs> we show up at their door. We're like, to excuse just speak our feelings. <laughs> What's next? Snapper cars go to snap. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to take everything that we wanted on Supergirl and just throw it on that one. <laughs> so I guess we'll have to watch Superman and Lois uh, for, for what they do with a, a Leslie Lar character. Because she's a big Supergirl character. She's one of the biggest villains for Supergirl in the Silver Age. She actually, uh, the great thing about Les Lar is that she has a, like, she goes across multiple issues, which is very rare in the Silver Age. And she she causes so many shenanigans. She's a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. I guess we'll take uh, one more question, then we'll have to call it a night. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, it, there was a lot of news. Don asked about uh, John Diggle in National City. There was a lot of news today, actually, about uh, David Ramsey coming back to direct some episodes oh. in the Arrowverse. And I think he's going to recur as John Diggle, maybe on Superman and Lois. So uh, and, and maybe a couple of other shows. I don't know if The Legends of Tomorrow was I- included <laughs> in that as well. So he may show I mean, he may pop up. Anyone on Legends. <laughs> They're like pretty loosey goosey with who they let on that wave rider. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, Paula talks about uh, Kara going off on Clark for abandoning her as a kid. Uh, I I think that time has passed, unfortunately. Uh, they really should have explored it more than they did. They kind of just touched on it with Alex, and then they hand-waved it, and <laughs> it wasn't a thing anymore. Um, but that that would be something to, to, to see. I, I would love to see that. Um, and then Rachel says... Lucy Lane back in season six. Just bring all those, just all bring those every season one characters back. Could you imagine if just like all of a sudden the door opens, it's Maxwell Lord. <laughs> Bro, where you been? <laughs> <laughs> what is post-crisis uh, Max Lord uh, up to? What, is what, he if, doing? what if like post-crisis Maxwell Lord is like um kind of like a spiritual guru, but like a, also a cult leader, like wild, wild country-esque? <laughs> Would it, would he and uh, Tico would, would they be hanging out together? I think or? so. Yeah, that's that's how they got to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the cult leaders on the show. Uh, P.S. If you're interested, in, uh, I, I recently found out that there was a Heaven's Gate documentary on HBO Max, and I, I was like, Morgan, did you know this existed? I did not, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I will be watching this. It's got it's got two things very near and dear to my heart: cults and aliens. I'm in. I'm in." So, unfortunately, it was a terrible tragedy. What happened to those people? Of course, no. We shouldn't laugh about that. No, no, but, we're not laughing about that. But we're laughing about how much it's weird that we love cults. It, I just fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. Like I always just want to know more because it's always so crazy. Yeah, it's wild, wild. stuff. All right, one more question, seriously, and then we're going <laughs> to uh, wrap this live stream up. Uh, so Leslie says uh, that uh, I think that she uh, is mm. the question, do we want or does she want uh, Maggie Sawyer to we. come back? Um, oh, do we want Maggie Sawyer to come back or have Alex continue um, to be with Kelly in season six? I mean, I like I think I liked Alex and Maggie more. I thought it was like more organically like grown relationship and they had like a little bit better chemistry. But at this point, I feel like it would be kind of weird. Like, I don't think it would make sense in the story if Maggie came back and like, was what's she going to be like? Suddenly like I changed my mind, loving the kids. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it makes sense. So, I mean, I, I think it makes more sense for her to continue with Kelly. And then maybe in season six, we find out what Kelly does. Let's dive into Kelly. Like, what's her day like? Is she like, what does she do exactly? Exactly what does she do? <laughs> uh, yes, I think you make a great point. Uh, because of the uh, child adoption uh, storyline, that that also involved Kelly. Kelly was in there when Alex was trying to do that. So it does make sense for her to stay with Kelly. Um, but I agree that the Maggie-Alex uh, relationship had a little more... Uh, working up to it. It was still very fast, but they, they tried. <laughs> they all me. are here. <laughs> <laughs> they, at least they tried to do something. And I have some good news. Uh, Donna says we went over a thousand dollars in the fundraiser. So way to go, Yay! everybody. We crushed Thank it. You, everyone. Oh, crushed I mean, it. especially since our initial goal was 300. So we just flew past that. Well, way to go, everybody. Uh, you did a wonderful thing. And I say you because the listeners and everybody who donated uh, helped us get there. So, uh, And in many ways, like that. technically, you guys, because we've only been on this for like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> been the, this has been the easiest podcast recording session I've done recently. <laughs> 
So, uh, so we did a, a good thing for uh, survivors of domestic violence and uh, sexual violence tonight. So thank you for uh, doing this. So we did this in honor of Melissa, Melissa Benoist and her story and how brave she was in coming out with her story to, to kind of let other people know that it's okay to be, you know, open about that kind of stuff. And so that was a really brave thing that she did. So we wanted to honor that. And uh, everybody who helped, who helped us get to $1,000 um, helped us uh, do that. All right, Morgan. So let's get to some plugs and some things we need to remind everybody of. And then we're going to call it a night. So I think the first thing we should probably talk about is next week. What are we doing next week? It's going to be our last uh, episode of Supergirl Radio. And uh, we're going to be doing another live stream. Uh, So you want to do you want to talk to people about uh, what the live stream is? I sure do. Uh, But I do. I have. Or am I going to have to do this off the cuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just, just oh, wing it. I thought there was something I had to read and then I was like, <laughs> no. no, it doesn't, there doesn't appear to be. Uh, next week, we are going to be watching the Academy Award nominated film, that is a lie, uh, <laughs> A Princess for Christmas. It's Katie McGraw in cozy sweaters. Is she the princess? Does she get a princess? It's happening around Christmas. I want to find out because I haven't <laughs> watched it yet and I'm going to know next week. Now, what you're going to want to do is join us right here as we discuss this heartwarming Netflix Christmas movie. Uh, And, you know, if you want to get prepared, you want to come in with the knowledge of A Princess for Christmas, because we're going to be, it's going to be a a spoiler-filled podcast. We're going to be dropping uh, all kinds of spoilers. We're going to be ruining the Princess for Christmas mythology for you if you have not watched. So, watch the movie and then come back here and join us on next Tuesday, the 8th. Yes, I say December 8th. 8th. And we're going to meet at 9 p.m. Eastern. And uh, Nicole makes a, a, a good point. We should do a Buffalo or boardroom. You'll understand that when you watch the movie. Yes, uh, let's so, do that. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to spoil you. But yeah, we'll probably we'll probably come PowerPoint ready with screenshots to talk about the uh the outfits of the movie because there are some good sweaters and dresses. So that would be pretty <laughs> I can fun. do some some similar um, high quality work that I did um, with the Supergirl, the movie debate and just take pictures with my phone of what I'm watching <laughs> and then put them onto PowerPoint slides. <laughs> I really, I think you should. I would be into that. <laughs> <if you're>... it. <laughs> <laughs> I really think you should be you should be doing that. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, wear your ugly Christmas sweater, uh, Morgan. If you have an ugly Christmas sweater, but I know you oh, have you all know I do. <laughs> you know I do. <laughs> so so we'll be wearing our ugly Christmas sweaters if you want to wear yours uh, while while you watch Come. the live stream. <laughs> Come join us. We require you to wear an ugly Christmas sweater as you watch the live stream. We won't let you in otherwise. <laughs> so we'll we'll be doing that next week. So uh, watch the movie and then come chat with us while we do that. All right. So Morgan, if you will go into the uh, brand section and hang oh. out in the overlays. Over okay, so that's not banners. That's a different section. No, no. We oh, we are um snap. Okay. We are, we're getting a little too fancy now because uh, okay. everything is visual. So uh, I hope it's easy, easily identifiable. I think so I'm there. You can kind of follow along with okay. what we're doing. Okay. So uh, where is my stuff? Okay. So 
If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, if you have a lot of thoughts you want to share with us after this live stream, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure to do that uh, right and call in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That helps us kind of prepare everything in our infamous Google Docs. And if you <laughs> want to follow us on social media, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. So it's pretty easy to remember. Uh, you can listen to us on iHeartRadio and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify musical playlist that features music featured on and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser and I think Google Podcasts. So pretty much anywhere you uh, listen to podcasts, we are available on them. Uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we are also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you do have some time and you like what we do, or maybe if you have some, you know, constructive criticism, we'll also <laughs> take that too. If you if you want to be truthful about we, it, we love constructive criticism <laughs> as long as at the end it's like, but really, I love it. Like just put just put at the end like, uh, you know, you could really work on this, this, and this. But I love you guys, and then we and then we're just such big fans of that. Well, the the best way to do it is uh, I I found that I. When when I was in leadership training in high school, they told you to do praise, correct, praise. So you got to start off praising people like, hey, you did a great job. And then you say, but here's something you can work on. And then you wrap it up with a, but you, you're going to be doing great. You're going to do a it's great like, job. It's like a criticism sandwich. Make us a beautiful criticism sandwich. So if you would like to do that uh, praise, correct praise formula, <laughs> you can go to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio and uh, write us a rating and uh, give us a rating and write us a review over there. And you can find all the links to everything I just mentioned on SupergirlRadio.com on the right side of the page. We also have a T public store. There's been a lot of sales going on lately because of Cyber Monday and um, uh, Black Friday recently that has passed uh, by. So you can go to supergirlradio.com and on the top of the page, there's a T public link. And you can find all of the cool gear that we have. We've got some uh, new Comica Girl designs that have popped in there. We've got some Christmas designs. Uh, so if you want to get some stuff uh, with Rain and Supergirl where they were fighting, um, that is, you know, part of a, a, a Supergirl Christmas episode, Rain, in yeah. season three. And then there's a design that I put in the store. I don't really understand it, but I love it. <laughs> it's Supergirl, I guess, creating uh, like a snowman with her super breath. With I like love a, it. With like a Hogwarts... Gryffindor sweat uh, uh, <laughs> scarf. And I also like that the um, the snowman she's created has a lot of jagged ice pieces because you know that that's the whole Krypton aesthetic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like my little uh, snowman friend, but he, also he's the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> <laughs> so you can definitely check out all of uh, the stuff that we have in the Tea Public Store. And uh, if you want to pop up uh, the Giving Tuesday overlay, so today was Giving Tuesday. We didn't really uh, plan the live stream to do a fundraiser. We should lie on and say we did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> on Giving Tuesday. I, I, I literally texted Rebecca today and I said, did you know it was Giving Tuesday? Amazing scheduling. She's like, no. <laughs> so we kind of happened upon it uh, while it was going it? on. <laughs> but it is Giving Tuesday, which is a, a day every year that's set aside to, to donate to causes and support uh, the things that you're into and that you appreciate. Uh, so uh, 
just wanted to mention that. So thanks to everybody who helped uh, raise some money uh, for a great cause on Giving Tuesday. All right. So now that we've got all of that stuff done, we've got to get to our DCTV plugs because there's so many shows we're already out of date, but we've got some shows and some podcasts <laughs> that you can listen to, and we'll let a- Amy explain those to you. Supergirl Radio is part of the DCTV Podcast Network, so if you're interested in The Flash, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Titans, Stargirl, Green Lantern, Strange Adventures, and the upcoming Superman and Lois series, or DCTV After Dark, make sure to follow DCTV Podcasts on social media and subscribe to the Podcast Mega Feed if you want all those podcasts in one place. So thank you to Amy from the Legends of Tomorrow podcast for recording those plugs for us. What a legend. She's so good. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram. I am uh, the, I uh, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just says the dirt. I wanted to make sure I didn't put der- just Derby kid, like my old Twitter. It's the Derby <laughs> kid. If you want to follow me to see any of the pictures that I take sometimes. Um, so that's probably the best place to follow me. I also occasionally will put up a, a video on YouTube. Uh, it's just uh, youtube.com slash duck milk prod. I probably should have made a lower third for that. I didn't. Uh, but uh, just duck milk NPROD. It's pretty easy. So I'm trying to do more videos there. So if you want to go check that out, please subscribe. Nice. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, nice. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I didn't know, realize I had a lower third. I feel so official now. Uh, you can go follow me there. Um, I'm also a co-host of DC TV After Dark and uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for our last couple episodes of the season. I think finally our Sopranos episode is coming out. I've, I've been hyping it for so long that it can't live up to any expectations whatsoever. So I'm going to continue to hype it. It will be life changing. Uh, and then I think we're also going to watch a Christmas um, movie. I think we're going to watch The Happiest Season, which is a good sweat segue to say that I also recently just guest starred on the Gay Gals Watch podcast, where we talked about Supergirl, of all things. We talked about the season two, episode, I think, eight, um, Medusa, which was technically, as I mentioned, the beginning of the crossover, though only technically. It was also the episode where um, Alex and Maggie get together for the first time. Lots of good stuff in there. And we also kind of talk about Happiest Season at the end, where we talk about what else we've been watching. So if you want a lot of Happiest Season content, it's coming your way. (laughs) I've never seen that. Is it a a TV show or a movie? It it literally just came out. That's why. I think it came out out literally last week. Uh, it's It's a new movie on Hulu. It's like Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis are um, like girlfriends and they have to go home to her family. But it turns out that she's not out to them and hijinks ensue. It's sadder than you'd think. <laughs> As it turns out, uh, we got done with the movie. Mike turned to me and said, I thought you said this was supposed to be a happy movie. That was pretty oh, sad. I read a like, movie mm. title. <laughs> but uh, so I'm, I'm going to be interested. We had a, a pretty fun discussion about Happiest Season um, on Gay Gals Watch. But I'm interested to see what my legendary ladies have to have to say about it, too. Because I think it's uh, just based on the, um, Twitter. It's been kind of polarizing. People, Some people don't just don't like certain characters in the the movie some people do so it's it's interesting it was i mean it was a fun watch i enjoyed it but controversial controversial yes (laughs) well uh uh we we probably should start a uh an annual tradition of watching christmas movies by cast members of supergirl because (laughs) uh katie mcgrath 
is in another Christmas movie where she plays the villain with Angela what? Lansbury and Dick Van Dyke. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, what? What? Why are we watching this one? <laughs> so we'll have to watch that maybe uh, uh, 2021. Next year. That's going to uh, be our 2021 watch. Angela Lansbury, <laughs> Murder, she wrote? Why wasn't that our first choice? <laughs> so, she got the Lansbury? Come on. <laughs> legends only. Okay. Well, we'll definitely have to make that an annual tradition. Uh, to I watch. just realized Paul, Paula made a, a funny joke, so I, I wanted to put that up. Uh, it just came out as a great way to describe happiest season because it's the double meaning. Great one, Paula. <laughs> so uh, good stuff. All right. Well, I think we have gone way too long, but thank you Wait. guys for hanging out with us and raising some money and doing some good today. So uh, let me get uh, my outro. And uh, so thank you all for joining us to raise money for rain and uh, to do it in honor of Melissa Benoist and for just hanging out with us and sharing your knowledge. Thanks to everybody who was a listener who led segments for us tonight. And we'll have to have everybody on and maybe do some more things like this in the future. Yeah, but we're thank- so lucky to have such great listeners. And thank everybody who came on, but also thanks everybody who donated. Uh, I had, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I think we'll go a little over the 300. But I did not think that we were going to get up to 1,000. So thanks again. This is a, a really great cause. So so thanks for everybody who hung out with us and for, uh, for everybody who did donate to Rain. And uh, we're going to wrap it up and uh, say goodnight. And uh, we'll see everybody in uh, next week's live stream where we watch that Katie McGrath Christmas movie. So we'll, we'll see everybody next week. TV podcast. There's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Ooh, Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.